yo, Monday morning, man. Monday morning, we gonna jam out real big for a little bit. You know what I'm saying? It's 10:09 for me a.m. Way ahead of schedule. for a bit, man. Got another week ahead, you know what I mean? They want the Kim that I can, the Chad that I can. Ready? You have the cameras rolling? Little vibratory frequency old shit every week as long as I have five levels and I go through each level on an episode incorporate some video that might be the plan (laughs) 
Just like that, man. Jersey, Judah, you know, I can't really say I enjoyed my weekend, but it wasn't a bad weekend. Uh, Saturday morning, I talked about this Saturday, 5 a.m. I was at the job shoveling snow, laying down salt, and it really actually wasn't bad. Something weird, you know, as I'm shoveling snow, I'm paying attention to the darkness, turning into light, right? And the sunrise, right? When I showed up at five in the morning, it was damn near pitch blackout. Started shoveling right away. Um, By the time it was like 620 and being able to see the sun, like literally witness the sunrise. It's it's something that's weird. You know, I don't want to sound like cheesy or anything, but it is something... um, there's something weird about it. I can't explain the feeling, but that was the highlight of the weekend. I was shoveling snow Saturday morning, 5 a.m. And as I'm looking, I'm looking around, it's getting lighter and lighter. And then I look at the sky, right? And it's this sort of light blue, ominous, like yellow and bright orange surrounding the sun. That's that's actually coming up that morning. And I was like, wow, that's cool. You know what I mean? Friday I was off, but Friday was more of like anxiety because I knew that I had to be up at 5 a.m. the next day. So what's the point of even having Friday off, right? But unlike other times where I have to wake up early in the morning and I'm like never wide awake, I was able to sleep like eight hours before that. So that was good. Um, Sunday, yesterday was good. We chilled out. Like I said, man, I'm kind of pumping the brakes a little bit. I never take a break from the podcast unless you don't hear from me from a day. What ends up happening is I recorded the night before and I didn't have time to upload. So the next day I would just upload an episode and say, you know, um, you know, late upload or, you know, late share or whatever. But all I got to say for right now, we here. Jersey, Judah, and I'm back. Monday. All right. Another level, level three of the video game iceberg. Also, because <laughs> you know I ain't done. We got Marlon Wayans talking about Cat Williams. And we got Charleston White being spared by No Jumpers Brick Baby. Here at the Crimson Capsule Chapel. All right. 
is good. God, God is good all of the time. That's all I'm going to say. You know what I mean? God is good all of the time, even at bad times, right? Times where you just want to give up. What the? You know what I mean? It's like, God damn, again? (laughs) More drama, more fuckery, but hey. God is good all the time. Even when life isn't, God is. All right? I'm just going to drop like super based, super spiritual words of encouragement, words of positivity to negative to sort of narrow out and, and balance a lot of the negative fuckery that I talk about here. All right. All right. Anyway, so I'll briefly go over this because I made this a three hour episode last time. It's actually close to 1030. So if I want to, I can make this a three hour episode. I don't think I will, though. Actually, I think I will. I just won't talk about the. um, I'm going to talk about level four of the video game iceberg if y'all was not paying attention man the last episode three hours long man i specifically only talk about video games first episode where i only talk about video games and not only do i only talk about video games i only talk about my favorite slash nostalgic childhood video games that i played growing up um this this i mean like depending on how this is received you know, I'm going to continue to do icebergs. I came up with an idea last night, high as hell. I was just saying to myself, what if I made an iceberg last an entire week? Meaning, let's say I say, you know, this is just random, right? Let's say favorite cars, iceberg, right? I can go Monday, classic cars, Tuesday, sports cars. You see where I'm getting at? And then make it a whole, you know, thing for the week. But also um, tie-in videos connected to the decisions and similar to what I've been doing before. Um, The Trump derangement syndrome is probably my favorite iceberg. Doomsday scenario is definitely close. Um, Video games, anytime I talk about video games, it's exciting, right? For me. I saw this picture, right? Before I go over uh, level one and two, what I did last night. I saw this picture that really brought nostalgia right like right at the core pure nostalgia and it's these guys playing playstation one on like no more than a 20 inch tv all huddled up around with controllers in hand that is nostalgia right that's true multiplayer no Xbox Lives, right? You don't no rooms being initiated. Oh, there has to be seven people in the room to play. No. You got three friends. You got four controllers. And then the 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 fucking PlayStation. Y'all remember the PlayStation only had two joints. So you had to buy the device that adds four players. Mm. All the all the controllers is plugged in. Everybody's ready. Like, yo, memories. Good times. I had shared that picture on Facebook because it really did like 
Like when I was in sixth grade, it brought back memories of being in sixth grade and having friends in the basement and then GoldenEye, Perfect Dark, WrestleMania 2000, WWF, No Mercy. And then later on in life, it was the same thing. Uh, I talked about this before with my, uh, my homeboy from North Carolina. Shout out to Juice. I'll give I can at least throw his alias out there. Shout out to Juice, right? Pause. That's what niggas called him. Called him Juicy back in the day. Pause. I know that sounds weird, wild, but pause. That's the homie. Um, I used to go to his house because he was like one of the first kids on the street to have an Xbox. So he had the Xbox, and when you bought the Xbox back in the day, it was a special edition with the Halo that comes with it. We sat, we played Halo on that Xbox. He had to turn it off because it was overheating. That's how, that's how wild shit got. Well, maybe not that wild, but y'all know what I mean. I'm black. Gotta be, you know, a little bit, you know, exaggerating. But um, Halo, same thing. Four players sitting next to each other. Oh, you watching the screen. That's how you knew where I was at. Like, you know, the arguments like that. That's nostalgia. Not you yelling at a TV. You yelling at a Japanese kid that can't hear you, can't see you on fucking Xbox Live. What the? Niggas is tweaking. Anyway, last night we went through the three-hour episode going through the childhood games as well as dated games. We went by levels. So level one was childhood games. Tony Hawk Pro Skater Series 1 through 4. Die Hard PS1, the Die Hard Vengeance game. The PS1 port. WrestleMania 2000 for the N64. GoldenEye for the N64. Uh, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Call of Duty World at War. Perfect Dark for the N64. And a special one. Siphon Filter. PlayStation 1. Okay. Then we jumped into the dated games. What games that were good then that may not be so great are represented well today. Well, for starters, with level two, I started off with Medal of Honor, the Medal of Honor series. Then we started off with the GoldenEye Rogue Agent. Then Thrasher, Skate, and Destroy. Then we had Grand Theft Auto, Vice City. Then we had the Fear series. All right, that's the PlayStation. Well, that came out on um, PlayStation, PlayStation 3 and maybe the 360. Don't remember at the time. And then a special mention, special mention, Times Splitter 2. Time Splitters 2. My bad, I said Times Splitter. What the? Time Splitters 2. All right, classic mention. You know what I mean? Today... On this episode, we will only be going through level three, which is innovating games or innovative. I should put innovative, innovative games. All right. What games were the beginning of something different, of something new, of something original, of something organic. We'll be going through that list. And to give y'all guys a heads up, give you guys a heads up tomorrow morning, we'll be going over level four in the game uh, category of the iceberg that I call Overrated, but enjoyable. These were games that were overrated, but are still good to play every now and then. Let's get this shit cracking, all right? Let's get this shit started. And by the way, when we go through, um, when we're done going through 
level three of innovating games. I have a video called Look, It's Jay. Uh, it's with a Z. So Look, It's Jay about Charleston White getting a pass from Brick Baby from No Jumper. Then, I think I talked about this content. I may have talked about this content creator like three days ago. And I said, you know what? I haven't bring up a night talk video in quite some time. So now we're going to be talking about night talk on this episode. And uh, Marlon Wayans um, kind of throws some jabs at Cat Williams, allegedly. We'll get into that. But for now, let's jump in to the list. Okay. So what we have is once again, level three, level three, innovative games. These games have sort of created communities, sub communities, modding communities, especially with this very first game that I have on the list. <clears throat> it is not only, in my opinion, an innovative game, but it's one of my favorite games. And that game is Fallout New Vegas. Now, I'm currently playing Fallout 4. And the only reason why I'm playing Fallout 4 is because I was finally able to get like mods to play and work sufficiently without crashing on the Xbox One. So... Like I mentioned last time, I got Master Chief. Yes, I have Master Chief, um, the companion mod. I forgot. Um, I usually remember some of the, the modders by by name, but this guy, I don't remember his name. But if you get a chance to look at the Master Chief mod from Halo on fallout 4 please do so excellent model it it's literally it's him right it's literally chief it's literally him um only thing i don't only thing i have a problem with uh with fallout 4 is kind of just i don't know there's a blandness with it and it's funny because i mentioned in fallout new vegas and let me let me tell y'all a little bit about fallout new vegas for a little bit, all right? Fallout New Vegas is a post-apocalyptic role-playing video game, aka RPG, developed by Obsidian Entertainment and published by Bethesda Softwares. <clears throat> um, it was released on October 19th, 2010 for the PlayStation 3, Windows, and Xbox 360. The game is not a direct sequel to Fallout 3, but follows events uh, referenced in Fallout and Fallout 2 and features the return of elements from Fallout 2. Um, the game is set in the Mojave Wasteland, a post-apocalyptic area around Las Vegas. Um, beginning in year 2281, four years after Fallout 3, the protagonist, a carrier for the Mojave Express, is dug up out of a shallow grave by a robot after being shot. Uh, the game plot centers around retrieving their stolen package uh, from their would-be assassin in the midst 
of a conflict between the NCR, which is the new California Republic, Mr. House and Caesar's Legion culminating at the Hoover Dam, which, by the way, that we'll get into that. Um, The game features a unique combat system called VATS, V-A-T-S, that lets players choose between real time combat and slower, more precise menu combat. All right. Um, that's is very important as well. Kind of that slow down element to the game to where you can actually have a percentage. So if somebody's like, if I'm shooting at somebody in the street, I'm in the street shooting at somebody who's in a, who's in a building, I can push the VATS button, slow down time, be able to get two, three shots that can hit them and take them down. Right. Um, and in fallout four, if you shoot a person enough times with enough accuracy, a critical hit uh, button comes up in which if you push X on the Xbox, he'll pretty much have a guaranteed like one shot kill type of scenario. Um, yeah. Um, Fallout New Vegas, the storyline is really what matters in terms of comparing it to Fallout 4 in which Fallout 4 was more linear and it's like what we talked about in the last episode. You have linear games and this open world environment. And the problem is the open world environment is usually never explored until you beat the game. And then by the time you beat the game, what other reason do you have to explore the maps? So with Fallout New Vegas, it was more spread out. So you have different fra- uh, you had different factions within different areas. And if you don't, if they don't know you, if you don't know them, it can kind of go either way. If you do good things for them, if you decide to work for them, you get closely affiliated to them and you may have an ability to have their weapons and their armor and even the clothes they wear and the uniforms. It's a uniform system. And one faction wears this. The other faction wears that. If you wear something that belongs to one faction In another area with a faction who's an enemy of that faction, they're shooting at you because they think you're part of that faction. It's that type of game with that type of intelligence. 2010 at this point is 14 fucking years ago. So that should tell you something. 14 fucking years ago. And shout out to my cousin. My cousin used to live right next to me. One day I was leaving. I was getting out of the house one day. And... I remembered he was leaving and he was like, yo, he was like, he's like, you want these games? I'm like, what games are they? He's like, they're PC games. He was like, this one joint is Fallout, this game called Fallout. I'm like, oh, I heard of that. And another game was that that Brink game. It's a game called Brink. Look it up. It's okay, but it didn't last long in terms of online activity. So I'm playing fucking... um, I start playing Fallout New Vegas. This is my first introduction to the Fallout series. Now, I played Fallout 3 before on console, but it's nothing compared to New Vegas on PC. Um, Create a character, right? You've been betrayed by by this guy who ends up taking the package that you have because you're a courier, and you spend most of your time pretty much going on a path of revenge. That's all it really is. 
Now, on the surface, that doesn't sound like a big deal. But incorporating what I just mentioned, all of the factions, all of the different people who could play a significant role in you moving forward in the game. Um, A lot of people like myself, the favorite faction of mine would have to be the BOS, man. The Brotherhood of Steel. Brotherhood of Steel is like the most legendary like faction in my opinion in that game along with ncr but who the fuck likes uh new california republic like they're like the nerds of the entire group space but yes uh fallout new vegas the reason why this game is innovative um number one the story in itself is innovative there's multiple paths and multiple ways that you can determine what your character does at the end of the game depending on who you align with there's a variety of different enemies. So you have humans who are kind of pretty much either raiders or scavengers or like, um, what's the other groups? They got like military type groups in there that aren't NCR. Some of them might be connected to NCR. They have some connected groups like the Brotherhood uh, Outcasts, which are based on the Brotherhood of Steel, but they left the Brotherhood of Steel, in which they're enemies to Brotherhood of Steel. Um, and you got all these other, like, you got monsters, you got creatures to worry about, you got giant geckos to shoot. It's a, it's a lot of different things. Uh, rad scorpions, you got giant scorpions that are trying to kill you. It's, it's a pretty, it's a vibe. It is a vibe. The music, um, the scenery of the game, it's, it's a vibe. Okay. So, and, and not to mention vats, vats is where it's at, man. Now, this game, unfortunately, wasn't the beginning. This was almost like the end in a lot of ways when it comes to Fallout's creativity. And they incorporated things from the first and second Fallout. But when you look at Fallout 4, it besides, like I said, uh, the crafting and like the workshop, and where you can like build shit, you can like put in buildings and shit and have people move in and create colonies. Like that's cool. Like that in itself is almost the RPG um, sort of like real time type of progression system with that. It's just the story for Fallout 4 was just not good. Now I think the Institute was pretty cool. You know, which is like another boss evil type of faction that you have to like take out. But other than that, the story was really bad. And I think um, even Fallout 76, which I, I, I currently play that time and time and time again, only because it's on um, Game Pass. It's OK, but Vats, they don't slow down Vats. You don't get a direct like, you know, real time slow down. You just kind of get a smaller it's just stupid i don't know doom that's right doom stylized as doom all caps is an american media franchise created by john carmack john romero adrian carmack kevin cloud and tom hall the series usually focuses on the exploits 
of an unnamed space marine, other referenced as Doom Guy or Doom Slayer, operating under operating under the UAC, um, Union Aerospace Corporation, who fights hordes of demons and the undead to save Earth from an apocalyptic invasion. The original Doom is considered one of the first FPS games, first-person shooters, introducing to IBM-compatible computers, featured features such as 3D graphics, third third dimensional third dimensional 3D graphics, uh, networked multiplayer gameplay, and support. For player-created modifications with the Doom WAD WAD format, over 10 million copies of the game in the Doom series have been sold. Um, the series has spawned numerous sequels, novels, uh, comic books, board games, and even a movie. Which that movie sucked with the Rock, by the way. Doom, at its core, the first legit first-person shooter. Um, memorable, and just like the first, the first level music is just in my head now. You know, that game is that that game will always be in history as one of the most innovative games. And considering the fact that it was considered one of the first FPSs to some people, it actually is also considered still to this day a very gruesome, violent fucking game. Um, Doom Internal did not mention it. Not a fan of it. I played it for two months. I tried, guys. Believe me, I tried to play it. I tried to get into it and I couldn't. I've gotten too used to like the militarized first person shooter where it's like, okay. I got a gun and I got another gun. Got a primary, got a sidearm. I got some grenades. I got some smoke grenades. I got some flashbangs. All right, nigga. I'm not trying to just run and gun all fucking day. Like that's just, it just became boring after a while, but doom for what it is. And even to this day, I had, um, I forgot the mod. Um, there's an app on Google. I'm giving all y'all Easter eggs too, by the way. If you go on Google Play and you put in free Doom, um, it will be, I forgot what they call it. There's a Doom clone that is on the Android that you could download, get the mod, convert it into the actual Doom 1 and 2, and then add a shitload of mods. We're talking about levels. We're talking about weapons. Yes, the 1993 or 4 Doom is still being modded to this day with the format of WADs, W-A-D. Very small, like you can get a huge, a huge mod for Doom on a phone would be consistent of maybe 200 megabytes. The Doom WAD itself is probably like less than a megabyte to use because you got to think, Here's a game that was originally put on floppy disk that you you can now just overhaul and play not only on your personal computer, but on your phone. Easter egg. All right. Just just remember what I told y'all. Okay. just remember. Let me take a sip of this uh, Mountain Dew amp real quick.
1041 a.m. by the way. Um, next, we would have to get into a game. And by the way, a, a worthy mention as well with Doom is Wolfenstein. Just saying. Hand in hand. As well as Quake, if you want to be technical. All three of those games emulate one another and they're one and the same. Moving on. Um, Max Payne 3, people. Yes, Max Payne 3, the third installment. All right, Max Payne. I'm going to read the description for this. This was on, actually, rather than all of the other entries, the other entries that I'm reading, they're from Wikipedia. This entry of Max Payne is from Rockstar themselves, and they deserve their explanation because of how crazy this game actually is. And it goes as followed. For Max, the tragedy that took his loved ones years ago are wounds that refuse to heal. No longer a cop, close to washed up, and addicted to painkillers, he takes a job in St. Paulo, Brazil, protecting the family of wealthy real estate mogul Rodrigo Branco in an effort to finally escape his troubled past. But as events spiral out of control, Max Payne finds himself alone on the streets of an unfamiliar city, desperately searching for the truth and fighting for a way out. Um, featuring cutting edge uh, shooting mechanics for precision gunplay, advanced new bullet time, and uh, shoot dodge effect. Uh, full integration of natural motions, uh, euphoria character behavior system for lifelike movement and a dark and twisted story. Max Payne 3 is seamless high detailed cinematic experience and i didn't give it justice but really max Payne 3 is a ultra violent ultra dark shooter compared to max Payne 1 and 2 which is still innovative definitely worth the mention max Payne 3 and rockstars took Max Payne and made Max Payne more of a Grand Theft Auto type of protagonist where it's a protagonist with a dark history and while you're playing him, you're sympathizing with him you're giving flashbacks going back to Jersey I think it was in Hackensack going back to Hackensack, New Jersey um, going back to other places when you're in the Brazil when you're in Brazil or you gotta do a stealth mission or like the game's mechanics, gameplay, and the story was all... Like, honestly, I still have this game on my Xbox One. It's still downloaded on my Xbox One to this day. Because when you're kind of... When you get used to the gameplay, it really is, like, an enjoyable film. It's like watching a film in a lot of ways. And the violence, they mentioned the bullet time sort of the matrixy type of vibe to it um the precision gunplay where you can on top of slowing things down you can slow things down even more when it comes to aiming at somebody easy headshots um 
one of the big things about this game for a short period, uh, a short period of time, one of the big buzz buzzes about this game was, in fact, the multiplayer, which unfortunately I never had a chance to play multiplayer. But I heard when the time that it was out, it was pretty popular. So, yeah, man, Max Payne three. All right. And how many do I have on this list? Two, four, six, eight. Two, four, six. I got nine on this list. So that's why, compared to the other ones, I think the other ones I had like four and five. Now I'm pretty much going through nine. So we just went through Doom and Max Payne. A game that I've mentioned several times on the podcast. A game that I honestly was not a fan of at first. But now playing it back again, just on a better console, I would have to say Grand Theft Auto 4 is one of those innovative games. Yes. And no, I don't consider San Andreas to be innovative. I consider San Andreas to be one of the best games. But if you think about it, Grand Theft Auto wasn't able to emulate San Andreas ever since. Even the remastered... Um, even the remastered editions suck. The, uh, the definitive editions suck. All right. So Grand Theft Auto 4 is a 2008 action adventure game developed by Rockstar North and published by Rockstar Games. It is the sixth main entry in the Grand Theft Auto series featuring 2004's Grand Theft Auto San Andreas and the 11th installment overall. Um, the game is set in a fictional Liberty City inspired by New York City and follows Eastern European war veteran Nico Bellic as he tries to escape his past while under pressure from high profile criminals. The game has received numerous awards and accolades, including gaming world gaming world record of the most successful entertainment launch of all time. Wow. Grand Theft Auto 4, The Lost and the Damned, one of my favorites, is the first of two episodic expansion packs of the game. The game is played from a third-person perspective, and it is navigated on foot and by vehicle. Throughout the single-player mode, players control Nico Bellic. An online multiplayer mode is also introduced with the game allowing up to 32 players to engage in both cooperative and competitive gameplay and a recreation of the single-player setting. Two expansion packs were released later for the game, of course, The Lost and the Damned and The Ballad of Gay Tony, which both feature new plots that are interconnected with the main Grand Theft Auto 4 storyline. This is why Grand F Auto 4 remains dominant in this style of gameplay. What I've already said, what I stated last night, remember, I talked about this last night with games like Grand F Auto 4 and how they accomplished the open world format with three storylines to include into the game. And not only are three, three of the people's storylines included into the game, you see each character throughout the main part of the game while you play Nico Bellic, who also, I would say, Nico Bellic is probably my favorite um, protagonist in the Grand Theft Auto series. 
That is right. Over CJ from San Andreas. I actually found CJ's character to be actually the most unlikable one. And this is the reason why. You don't get a full story. And I think GTA really fucked things up with the guy, um, Mayhem. The, the dude who plays CJ's name is Mayhem. And the guy who plays Franklin, they're both first cousins. They're actually blood related. So that's a Easter egg for people out there who are Grand Theft Auto fans. The black, one of the black uh, um, protagonists from GTA 5, Franklin, and CJ, played by Mayhem, are actually related in real life. But to get that, get that out of the way, um, you have Grand Theft Auto 4, where you have New York City and you have a good portion of North Jersey. You also have this weird dynamic where you have an open world environment that's fully taken advantage of by three storylines. Um, I never played the Ballad of Gay Tony, but I have played recently. I talked about this. I played The Lost and the Dam maybe like two months ago. And it's a great, it's one of those examples of, well, you're in the same city, Liberty City, but you're on motorcycles. And you got a group of people who's in a motorcycle club. You're a part of the motorcycle club. So you being the immigrant coming from Eastern Europe, like Nico Bellic, that gameplay is entirely different in a lot of ways than, you know, Lost in the, the Lost in the Dam. This also goes along with um, what I'll be talking about in a little bit. Anyway, Grand Theft Auto 4. If you play it on a next-gen console, it runs a lot better, and the graphics actually look a lot better, so it's a weird experience with some video games. I don't know what it is, but I like it. Definitely a fan of it. Um, the next one on the list, a game that I've also talked about before, I'm going to just read through this, Watch Dogs stylized as watch underscore dogs is an action adventure video game franchise published by Ubisoft and developed primarily by its Montreal and Toronto studios using the disrupt game engine. Um, the series first title was released in 2014. All right. And it features three games in total. The most recent, bringing 22's Watch Dogs Legion, which was not a favorite game of mine. Several tie-in books and comic book uh, miniseries set in the game's universe have been published. I have to check those out. Um, gameplay in the Watch Dogs game focuses on an open world where the player can complete missions to progress an overall story as well as engage in various side activities. Um, the core gameplay consists of driving, shooting, and stealth segments with occasional role-playing and, and um, puzzle elements. Um, the Watchdog games are set in the fictional versions of real-world cities or real-life cities at various points in time and follow uh, different hacker protagonists who while having different goals to achieve, find themselves involved with criminal underworlds 
of their respective cities. Uh, the antagonists are usually uh, corrupt companies, uh, crime bosses, and rival hackers who take advantage of the CTOS central operation systems, a fictional computer network that connects every electronic device in a city together in a single system and stores personal information on most citizens. The player has access to the CTOS, um, which can be used to control various devices um, in combat, stealth, or solving puzzles. Watchdogs, very creative. Watchdogs 1, and I'll just briefly go through the story. So Watchdogs 1 is probably, in my opinion, the, the best Watchdogs because of the basic but sort of ahead of its time mechanics. So so imagine a third person game that has a little bit of elements from from Grand Theft Auto only when it comes to the open world, open city format. But instead of having a phone to put in cheat codes, you have a phone which is used to hack certain things, unlock certain cars, manipulate the traffic lights while driving. So if the cops are chasing you, you can manipulate the traffic lights. And by the time the cops chase you in the intersection, they get wrecked. Like different elements of the game in which, in my opinion, stands the test of time because when Watch Dogs 2 came out, it kind of got a bit wokish. So now you play a black dude from Oakland who kind of finds his way into San Francisco, more in the San Francisco area because he wants to join the group. The group is uh, DeadSec. DeadSec is the sort of protagonist. It's the protagonist group throughout all of the, throughout the whole series. And these are like good hackers. These are hackers that hack bad people and prevent bad shit from happening by using the computer system. So you have this game in which the second one, like I said, got kind of woke, not because of the black character, obvious, but the San Francisco setting. So, you know, what comes with that? You'll see a lot of gay bars, a lot of the flags in the in the game. Not saying that that should trigger anybody. I like the game still, but it's just the things that you notice and you go, oh, OK, I see where this is going. And then Legion kind of just took the format of a game with an actual story about a character and throws it out the window. It's just the story about the group. So the people that you play as doesn't really matter. They just play a role. Um, you create your own dead sec. You create, you have to pick your own people to be a part of the group. You can customize them, but you really can't do nothing personal. It's not a personal, it's a weird game. Watchdogs was innovative. The first one, Tying in sort of the puzzles along with the shooting, along with the driving, along with other things. So still a worthy mention, just didn't have a good ending. Reminds me of another game that I put on this list, a game that I mentioned earlier when it comes to nostalgia. And shout out to my homeboy Juice, because this is the first nigga that introduced me to this game firsthand. Halo. Halo is a military science fiction media franchise originally created. Uh, let me take this charger off my phone. Originally created and developed by Bungie, 
and currently managed and developed by 343 Industries, part of Microsoft's Xbox Game Studios. The series launched in 2001. I was in the seventh grade, September 11. Wow, 2001. With the first-person shooter video game Halo Combat Evolved and its tie-in novel, The Fall of Reach. Which, by the way, Easter Egg, Reach becomes another Halo game later on in the franchise. Um, the latest game, Halo Infinite, was released in late 2021, which was kind of a disappointment, as a free-to-play beta. And then had the campaign released later that year. Um, campaign Evolved, though, started life as real-time strategy game then became a third person shooter and finally a first person shooter releasing as an exclusive xbox video game for the console um after bungie was acquired by the company uh bungie regained its independence in 2007 releasing additional halo games through 2010 Microsoft established 343 Industries to direct the game franchise going forward and has produced games itself and in partnership with other studios. Combat Evolved was a critical and commercial success, serving as Xbox's, quote, killer app, end quote, and cementing Microsoft as a major player in video game console space. Its sequels expanded the franchise commercials, the franchise, excuse me, the franchise commercial and critical success and have sold more than 81 million copies worldwide with more than six billion in franchise grosses. Uh, Halo is one of the highest grossing media franchise of all time, spanning novels, graphic novels, comic books, short films, animated films, featured films and others licensed products all right halo i have the same feeling about halo in the terms of how watchdogs became although halo is a bit more personal halo was a part of xbox and some would say and i would actually agree xbox really wouldn't be a powerhouse without games like halo you know, this was the first person shooter at a time that was almost unheard of. Like you like even the mechanics playing it now is still kind of mind blowing. And they mentioned Halo Infinite. I played that. Well, see, if you're if you're smart, you really don't have to spend money on games that you really want because they'll end up releasing them or you'll get an opportunity to play them for like three days for free. Halo Infinite. um, the multiplayer is on Game Pass. The story mode itself is on Game Pass. Once again, another example of the open world gone awry. Halo was almost set up by design to be an open world game. The problem was when they finally did it, everybody's seen open world games before. Now you're just seeing a similar Halo experience but you can go from one place to the next didn't work out well just my opinion even halo 5 was kind of like wait is this call of duty like now 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 the guns have iron sights it's just a weird not complaining really about that but it was just a weird experience for me um yeah the next one on the series is a surprise 
Some people may have heard of this game, some may have not. I'll just read through it briefly, give you a synopsis of what I think of the game, what was good about it, what probably wasn't too good about it. And that game is Titanfall, all right? Titanfall is a media franchise that mainly featured first-person shooter games. The series was created by Respawn Entertainment and debuted on the Xbox and Microsoft Windows. Um, It has expanded to other consoles and platforms. In Titanfall, players control, quote, pilots and their mech-style titans and fight in six-on-six matches set in the war-torn outer space colonies of the frontier. The player, or the game, more or less, the game is optimized for fast-paced uh, fast-paced action aided by wall-running abilities and populations of computer-controlled soldiers. Um, other titles in the series include unique characters who are able to use special abilities. So, imagine uh, you becoming a Transformer. Pause. And I don't mean transformers i mean transformers decepticon actual decepticons so you are a pilot right and you operate these man-made machines that have sort of an ai like technology to where it can communicate with the pilot and while playing the game you can jump into the pilot and become like a super killing machine shooting missiles and weapons and laser beams. Or you can get out of the fucking machine and still be able to run on walls and do special techniques and, and a special uh, a special type of mechanic in the game. Um, I remember Titanfall 2 and I played Titanfall 2 and that still, in my opinion, remains one of my favorite games. And the way that they introduce certain game mechanics is very creative. And I don't think many games do that today. They kind of just give you a shitty tutorial. Hey, learn to use the techniques. Push A to run through. Like, like dumb shit like that. Where in the game, it kind of just briefly tells you along, along the way what to do, how to do it, how to operate. And then by the time you're like 10 minutes in the game, you already have the game figured out. The action... In another game, actually, the play online is really fun because you have the ability to either use the Titan or get out of the Titan and sort of like sabotage those who haven't gotten in their Titan yet. So you have a lot of people who was on foot actually shooting each other. And then you got people operating these fucking, you know, transformers trying to take each other out. So Titanfall, very creative game. It's kind of sad that we don't hear anything from that series, especially with Titanfall 2, which is, like I said, one of my favorite games. Let's move on, though. Let's move on because I believe we got two games. Well, actually, technically three games left, but one is tied in to an entire series. But first, we have PUBG. Battlegrounds, publicly uh, previously known as uh, Player Unknowns Battlegrounds, is a battle royale game developed by PUBG Studios and published by Crafted. 
um, the game, which was when, which was actually inspired by the Japanese film Battle Royale in 2000, is based on previous mods created by Brandon, quote, player unknown, end quote, Green for other games and expanded into a standalone game under Green's create Green's creative direction. Um, it is the game in the PUBG universe series. Uh, the game is played by either third or first person perspective. In the game, up to 100 players parachute on an island where they scavenge for weapons and equipment to kill other players who who kill other players while avoiding getting killed themselves. Um, the available space area or the the excuse me, the available uh, safe area of the game's map decreases in size over time, directing survivor players into an ever tight space uh, to force encounters. Um, the last survivor uh, wins the round and they get the uh, chicken dinner. Um, PUBG, you know, what's great about PUBG and, and I kind of, I have to be honest, the game on console is not really that good because if you've played the game for whatever reason, like I did on mobile, PUBG on mobile is better than PUBG on console. That's just my opinion. Um, it's a creative game. If you've never heard of Battle Royales, I'm sure everybody today has heard of Battle Royale games. Of course, Call of Duty has Warzone, which I think is atrocious. I think that's the worst thing Call of Duty ever made. Um, but PUBG, back to the basics. You get you get dropped out of a fucking plane, right? You have an entire map, this big open world map that in a lot of ways makes sense to have a big open world map with battle royale games this is where open world games in my opinion thrive because you have this big map that has a total all together of maybe like 20 to 25 different levels in different areas whether it's a school whether it's a church whether it's a village whether it's um a hospital an abandoned hospital all these places can be gone through fully capable and you'll need to go through all these areas to get weapons to get armor um to get a helmet you know what i mean to get explosives to find vehicles and vehicles are a big part of it because what i and a lot of people don't understand what PUBG is when you get dropped off of a plane you kind of want to get a vehicle right away you want to get weapons and then you want to get a vehicle because that way you can stay in one particular area longer than what you would without a vehicle. So by the time the map shrinks, you can get in the vehicle and drive to where you need to go safely and possibly run people over along the way. PUBG is a fun game. Uh, PUBG Mobile is absolutely fun and addictive. I played PUBG one time all day. I remembered it. I had an ounce of weed. And every like two hours, I would either smoke a joint or roll a joint for later on. And I played the game for an entire day on mobile. Also, an Easter egg, Call of Duty on mobile is also a very fun game. Uh, Call of Duty mobile is also a fun time killer. Um, Call of Duty mobile actually executes sort of that blackout slash uh, battle royale system a lot better. Um, in the same concept with battle royale games, you can go in by yourself, which 
You're a bat. You're. I do that in PUBG. I'm a thug. I roll by myself. Even if I'm playing teams, I get dropped off in the opposite end of where they're at. And then I get all of the weapons and get like at least 10 kills max. And then I'll hop into a vehicle and try to pick up my teammates and then go around and just shoot people. That's all we do. PUBG is a fun game, man. Call of Duty as well. Call of Duty Mobile. Also a fun one. Finally, people. Finally. We're getting in on this list. And you know, funny thing is, you guys may not count these as games, but I'm going to count them as games in the sense of the concept of stories from Grand Theft Auto are very innovative. Um, GTA 4 was one that kept the same energy in which, hey, we got this world now. Let's add some new characters. Let's add some storylines to it. And better yet, let's put it into one game. Let's put it into one universe. And that was GTA 4. You have games also, and I'm going to read through, like uh, Vice City Stories from Grand Theft Auto and Liberty City Stories. But first, we'll go over Vice City Stories, okay? Grand Theft Auto Vice City Stories is a 2006 action-adventure game developed by Rockstar Leeds and Rockstar North and published, of course, by Rockstar Games. The 10th installment in the Grand Theft Auto series, the game was initially released as a PlayStation Portable exclusive in October of 2006, but a PlayStation 2 port was released in March of 2007, set within the fictional Vice City based on Miami and Miami Beach in 1984. The game is actually a prequel to the 2002 Grand Theft Auto Vice City set in 1986 and follows the exploits of ex-soldier Victor, a.k.a. Vic Vance, a minor character originally featured in said game. Um, the story the story set around Vic's attempt to build up a criminal empire alongside his brother, Lance Vance. Um, with the initial intention of raising money for his sick brother, uh, Pete's medication, Vic comes into conflict with rival gangs, drug lords, and other enemies. Good concept, good idea. It's always good that in a lot of ways, like even now, I mentioned this before, I was going to mention this before, but, um, look at San Andreas, right? Now, there's so many unanswered questions from San Andreas, okay? What caused, what directly caused CJ to leave Los Santos and leave San Andreas to go to Liberty City? And what did he do in Liberty City before he was called back uh, by his brother about his mother's murder? It's, it's a good concept. I'm just saying, people, rock star, you could, you could easily create another game in itself that kind of throws CJ in a map that already exists, Liberty City. Like, be smart. Be wise. Continue the stories. And continue the story later on as a prequel to Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. It's genius. It makes perfect fucking sense. But 
um, Vice City Stories was able to do that. Lance Vance being uh, one of the main characters who ends up turning on Tommy Frasetti later on in the game. You play as the brother. So this is two years before what ends up happening. And you see a lot of the buildings that aren't built yet. And people say, well, it's underdeveloped. No, stupid. It came out two years before the original storyline. So technically, there probably would be buildings that haven't been built, areas that haven't been created. People just don't understand games. You know what I'm saying? Maybe I understand games too fucking much. Um, Let's end this as segment one because we're already an hour, close to an hour and eight minutes in. Stay tuned. I'm going to be going over uh, Liberty City stories. And then we're going to conclude that as level three of the iceberg. And then we got some other videos to get into. Some fuckery. So stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. More to come. Segment two. All right. Now this is going to get into concluding what we did. Part one. Segment one. We went through level three. We still got another part of the entry left. Then we got videos to go through. But before we do that, let's jam out a bit. I've been talking a lot. I haven't gotten a chance to really light up and enjoy this reefer. So I got a nostalgic bop. The instrumental that I've made is called Nostalgic Bop. And you'll know why when it plays. Thank you.
So, here I am, back, continuing this episode, continuing where I left off, I should give y'all a brief run back before I end things off here. This segment, we're ending level three's portion of the video game Iceberg, in which I entitled Innovative Games, starting off, Fallout New Vegas. Doom slash Wolfenstein, uh, Max Payne 3, Max, or not Max Payne 4, uh, Max Payne 3, Grand Theft Auto 4, plus the DLCs. Uh, we got Watch Dogs 1 only in terms of innovative. Uh, we have Halo 1 and 2. We also have Titanfall 2, going along with Titanfall 1, pretty much the series of that. We got PUBG, and we are now at GTA Stories. Not Stories in itself, but the video games, uh, Vice City Stories, which we went over. And now we will be talking about Liberty City Stories, all right? And let's continue, all right? Grand Theft Auto, Liberty City Stories, is a 2005 action-adventure game developed by collaborations between Rockstar Leeds and Rockstar North and was published by Rockstar Games. It was the ninth installment in the Grand Theft Auto series. It was initially released as a PlayStation Portable exclusive October 20 of, of 2005. Um, a port for the PlayStation 2 was made June of 2006. Um, at the time of the release, the recommended retail price of the PS2 was around half the price of the PSP version because the PS2 version does not feature the custom soundtrack ripping capability of the PSP version. Uh, ports for the iOS, Android, and Fire OS devices were also released in December of 2015. Um, and then... Well, this was released between February of 2015, March of 2016, respectfully. Um, the game is the first 3D title in the series to be released for handheld devices and acts as a prequel to 2001's Grand Theft Auto 3 using the same setting of Liberty City, a fictional parody of New York City, 
Um, the single pair, the single player story takes place in 1998. Follows mobster uh, Tony Cipriani. Cipriani, all right. A character first introduced in Grand Theft Auto 3 in his efforts to rise through the ranks of the Leone crime family while slowly becoming involved in a power struggle amongst the city's various mafia organizations. The PSP version of the game also includes a multiplayer mode through a wireless ADHOC network, which allows up to six players to engage in different game modes. Uh, Liberty City Stories received generally positive reviews from critics and was a commercial success, selling over 8 million copies as of March 2008 and becoming the best-selling PSP game of all time. Wow. Uh, It was followed, of course, with Vice City Stories, which was supposed to be a prequel to Vice City. Once again, Grand Theft Auto at that time were smart. They said, hey, we got a good story here. Or there's a guy who we see as a pretty cool character who we can incorporate into a story background, and they executed it both times, all right? Very innovative in my opinion, all right? So that concludes level three. Like I said, tomorrow morning, same nigga time, same nigga podcast. We're going on to level four. Overrated, but enjoyable video games, all right? So stay tuned for that. Right now, I can finally relax, play some uh, content, go over some content, take a breather, smoke this fucking blunt again. Whole lot of talking, though. Look, it's Jay and Night Talk are responsible for this segment and this episode in terms of content. Look, it's J-L-O-O-K-I-T-Z-J-A-Y on YouTube. Um, This is about Charleston pretty much getting caught slipping at the nightclub by none other than Brick Baby from No Jumper. And he uh, allegedly gave him a pass. Then we have Night Talk, a.k.a. Stevie Knight. He's going to be talking about Marlon Wayans and what he has, uh, what's on his mind about Cat Williams. So getting out of the video game, we are leaving the video game world. Matter of fact. Let me just play this, just in case. (laughs) Now we are on to the fuckery. Okay, we got through that. Everything is good. Everything is kosher. We're still recording. I'm at 96% right now. My portable charger is on deck just in case, right? We got 21 minutes, 43 seconds of content to go through. Let's start off with, uh, let's start off with this one joint here. Let me make sure my phone is in auto rotate, which I don't know why it's off of auto rotate. Uh, Cat Williams is silly. Embrace black men in dresses. And that is actually from Night Talk. We'll go through that first. That's the shortest one with close to 10 minutes. And then we have Charleston White gets caught lacking in the club by L.A. Rapper and gets a pass. All right. 
that's from Look It's Jay. So let's get this shit cracking, man. Let's officially go into the nonsense, the fuckery. We're leaving the land of nostalgia, the land of video games and, and good times. And now we're going in to the savagery, um, coon lords, um, just high level nigga activity. Let's get it. All right. Yeah, of course, Marlon Wayans got no issue with no black man putting on no dress. Mm. Yeah, man. No, we still riding on the remnants of that Cat Williams explosion on Club Shay Shay, bro. But most specifically today, we are going to highlight some things Marlon Wayans had to say about Cat Williams calling out all these fools who uh, put on the dress, sold out for the dress. You know what I mean? Did what they did for the dress. Yeah, mm. if, you've been under, if you've been living under a rock, you know what I mean? Cat Williams has uh, highlighted the fact that there have been a plethora of black men in Hollywood who have sold out to put the dress on to get the glitz on the More specifically, those who initially said they would not, would never put on the dress. You fast forward a few years, they've put on the dress. And you fast forward a few more years, and now they famous as fuck. You know? And on the flip side, you got some black men in Hollywood who refuse to put on the dress. You fast forward, you fast forward a few years, and since they refuse to put on the dress, they ain't never become as famous as they should have been. But yeah, um, Marlon Wayans has some things to say about it. You know, that boy ain't got no problem doing nothing emasculating or feminine or whatever. Whatever that needs to be done is going to be done, especially when it involves being zesty. What about the, you know, the black man putting on a dress conversation? You talking to a black man that put on a dress? Mm-hmm. I don't I, that, that com- Wow. <laughs> you talking to a black man that put on a dress? Yeah, there is no conversation with him. Yeah, man. Marlon Wayans. Yeah, 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 yeah. White chicks. Yeah, yeah. Putting that dress. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, nigga, you shouldn't even you shouldn't even mention Cat Williams name because what he said was directed towards you. You're a black man that put on a dress and you went to the next level from putting on a dress. You should have just said nothing and realize that, hey, he's right. But hey, look where I'm at. That's how a lot of these celebrities look at the shit. When you got these wicked Khazards and black czars, they try to tell you, hey, um, yeah, wear the dress. Everybody else got the dress on. What makes you better than the next man? I don't know. My dignity? I don't. My dignity, maybe? I don't know. Like, well, I, I, no, no, no. No dresses, people. Black men, stay stay out them damn dresses, man. These niggas, stay off them fucking dresses, man. Niggas is wild, man. Wild zesty, dude. Wild zesty. Sick. Basura. 
But let this Negro tell you, hey, man, I was just doing it. And look, I'm going to tell you the narrative, bro. It's for a check. I'm doing it for the money. This is just the money. Oh, this is just a job. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I played the act. Yeah, I put on a dress. This is how they talk. Yeah, I played the act. You know, I played the role. I put on a dress. I made millions of dollars, though. I made millions. <laughs> Niggas lost their souls, man. Niggas is sick. Dumb fucking nigga. Niggas done lost their souls, man. And they doing wild fruity shit. Why are you gay? Doing wild fruity activity. Zesty. Are you beta male? Beta! 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 beta. <laughs> Why are you gay? Beta! beta. Alright. We do a little trolling. Hold up. We do a little trolling here. We do a little trolling. It's called we do a little trolling. <laughs> We're trolling. Alright? We're only trolling. Okay? We're only trolling. <laughs> me is, it's silly because it's a it's a it's a negative thing that is only in black people. We have for some reason a program Nigga. to look down on the craziest parts about our experience that we're supposed to not embrace our past, not embrace our history, not embrace. I think this is all bullshit. The problem with black people is they don't embrace their future. They only embrace their past. And when you talk about people in the past, black people in the past, what are you referencing? Slavery, racism, segregation, my nigga. Let's be honest. Let's keep it a buck, nigga. Fuck out of here. Cut it the fuck out, bro. Stop. Cut it out. You already know, like. Niggas don't embrace anything of the future. They only embrace things of the past. While not paying attention to the opportunities that's in front of them in present time, nigga. Facts. Facts. So this is all cap, and this is all like, yo, I get it. Like, this is what... Like, this is what you feel is an excuse for you to put on the dress. Cool. Whatever. But don't expect other people to to just go, oh, yeah, you know, he had a nigga wore a dress like, yeah, he got a He had a dress on because it's like, nah, nigga, like, that's weird. Like, no, dude, like, yeah, you got paid a certain amount of money. I don't got to I don't got to respect it. And I never thought white chicks was funny, just like I don't think men with dresses on is funny. I never thought Medea was fucking funny. You understand? Like I never, I never saw these people as funnier people. I never saw Jamie Foxx as funnier when Jamie Foxx had wore the dress and living color. I don't think any of this shit is funny. I think comedians being comedians, not having to dress like hoes, is okay to me. You're you're not dressing like hoes. You're not playing a homosexual in a film. That's fine. You should have an equal opportunity for fame as everybody else. The problem is they got fairies, they got flamingos, they got gay niggas that just that that want that shit to happen. They want they want the strong masculine man and media 
to wear a dress. You got the homie, rest in peace, the Debo. I forgot his name, man. Wish I knew his real name. I could just put Debo on uh, on YouTube, but I want my phone to fuck up and my uh, shit to stop working. Um, here you got Debo, aka Zeus from WWF, telling you, yeah, they try to get niggas to wear dresses. They get niggas to do all types of weird shit in Hollywood. And he said it like Hollywood don't like me. Hollywood's afraid of me because they know they can't treat me like a punk. They can't treat me like a sissy. Like they treat these other niggas in Hollywood and, and Debo. That was the most base shit ever. Can I look that up? Man, I want to look it up, but I don't because I don't want this shit to crash. So I'm not going to do that. Look it up. I forgot the dude's name. Debo from Friday was talking about men wearing dresses and doing all that weird shit in Hollywood. My nigga, he ended up dying not long after saying that. So just keep that in mind, you know, not a conspiracy or nothing, but something noteworthy, at least. OK. Heroes not embrace our different levels of comedy that we have. I see that already, man. I got to pause it there. What does any of that he just said not do with black man putting on the dress? Nothing. What he is pretty much saying is, hey, these white guys want us to put on this dress in order to make money. Hey, I know I ain't gay, so I'm going to wear the dress. And that's what they do. And it's very simple because <coughs> look at Brandon T. Jackson. Brandon T. Jackson at that time was was still making hits. Um, I forgot the other movies that he was in, but they're noteworthy movies. But when he put on that dress, he talked about it. That was like an omen. That was like um, a spirit that was left on him. So you move on, start dealing with other people, whatever. Then you realize like, oh, shit. Everybody that sees me, they don't see me as a man. They see me as the man who wore the dress. See, that's the humiliation ritual. And if you ain't making hundreds and thousands and millions of dollars, you can't handle that. See, a motherfucker who's making hundreds and thousands and millions of dollars they don't mind putting that dress on because they know that's going to come with more money. So they willing to put themselves out there for the humiliation ritual just to get to the next level. I believe um, Marlon Wayne sounds like one of those niggas. Hate to say it like that, but, you know, just my opinion. Nothing personal. What does our history have to do? Do with putting on the dress. All that other bullshit he talking about. What they got to do with putting on the dress? Words out. Not a damn thing. Words out. parts about our experience. Black man's experience is putting on the dress. Uh, the black man's past is putting on the dress. Not embrace our history. Our history. Not embrace our heroes. Our heroes. Not embrace our levels of comedy. Our heroes. Our well, the heroes thing makes a lot of sense because if you're a fan of Martin Lawrence, then you're a fan of a black man in a dress. If you're a fan of Jamie Foxx, you're a fan of a black man in a dress. If you're a fan of uh, Marlon Wayans, you're a fan of niggas who wear dresses. Tyler Perry. Tommy Davis. Oh, my God. I can keep going. Come on, man. Stop. I can keep going. Some of your heroes, if you're black, if you're if you're a black, if you're an American black, 
you're gonna probably list look listen or look list these African Americans as a variation of heroes or such people you look up to, or at least in the terms of comedy and in and in that world of entertainment, yes. But the reality of it is, whether you knew it or not, you know these people were in awkward roles, and in these awkward roles they would they would wear dresses. You know, that's just the fucking God honest truth, bro. Like, that's just what it is, dude. Like, so to that extent, he's right. But he ain't going to tell you that, oh, well, there's a ritual that's involved. There's people that like to see us black men in dresses. They get a kick out of it. They get a thrill from it. What does any of that got to do with putting on the dress? Sound like coke to me. Sound like coke to me. Sound like coke to me. Sound like a bunch of bullshit. All right. Let's continue. Cool Not words. embrace our history. Not N-words. embrace our heroes. Not embrace our different levels of comedy. That we have to be this way. When Robin Williams puts on a dress and his Mrs. Doubtfire, he gets nominated for an Oscar and white people think it's brilliant. His community. It's no different. And I hate when people mention this. Because it really is no different with white people. It's just white people don't give a fuck. They just don't care. They don't give a shit. Yeah, they'll put the dress on. Fuck it. You want me to have a black accent too? I'll have that. Look at Robert Downey Jr. Who played a remarkable black person in Tropical Thunder. Now, I know that may not be popular amongst the black but uh, Tropic Thunder is a funny-ass fucking movie. And Robert Downey Jr. playing a black Vietnam soldier is hilarious. You know what I mean? Another Easter egg. If y'all ever get the time, you get high enough like me, and you don't got nothing to do, but I always have to go to work. Or when I'm coming home from work, I'm always sleeping or recuperating from work. So I never get the spare time like I used to. But if y'all ever get the spare time, Tropic Thunder, all right? Classic. When Dustin Hoffman puts on a dress in Tootsie and he wins an Oscar, he's labeled brilliant. When black people put on dresses, all of a sudden we're labeled by our own people like nigga shit. Nigga shit. Nigga shit. It's a classic. I don't care what nobody says. It's a classic. Everyone says it's a classic. That whole thing about you know, you put on a dress and you selling out. That that is you're not black. An artist mind. That's a nigga. You're an artist. You know. That's a nigga. You go out and you create art. He defeated himself in his own argument, his own example. We're not gonna sit here and compare no white chicks to Mrs. Doubtfire. Can't do that. Damn. That was cold. That was cold. <laughs> that was cold. You were cold as ice. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> yeah, white chicks. White chicks. You see, you got to understand how racism really works to understand white chicks. So imagine, because this is almost hypocritical. If black, if white people play, if, if, if there was a movie about two white guys who had to pretend to be black guys 
Yo, it's a perfect movie, right? Two white guys pretend to be black to try to get accepted into a black uh, in a black college. Hilarious storyline, right? And that movie would not be received well at all, right? A white guy with an afro would not be received well within the black space whatsoever. People would look that, at that and go, that's terrible. When people mention white chicks, what, what do black people say? Oh, well, that was more of an embarrassment for them than white people. Yeah, you're right. And and there, there you have it. See, when white when black people impersonate white people, white people don't really get upset about it. They laugh at it. When Dave Chappelle or Eddie Murphy plays the news report uh, guy, plays the white news report guy, people laugh at it. It's fucking funny. Like, here's Eddie Murphy in whiteface. People don't talk about whiteface, but we always talk about blackface. Because when black people wear whiteface, white people laugh at them because they think it's funny. So when white people have blackface, it should be the same way. I'm just, I'm thinking on a more progressive level, not in a politically progressive level, but in a more logical space, right? Like where, all right, if these niggas can look like white bitches, they embarrass themselves by putting on dresses and all type of women's garment, but they made millions of dollars probably off of that. So for them, it's, it's two for, it's two for one. We're going to do this ritual. We're going to do this ritual and we're going to make money. Fuck it. That's what they did. So there's white chicks. Problem is. White people that do this shit. It's the same shit. It's just their reaction to it is different. They don't they really can care less about it. Sure, they'll put on a dress. Robin Williams, like I grew up watching Miss Doubtfire. Not even going to lie. I remember having the, um, the VHS tape. So it's very it's very hard to like. Like I said, to compare the two one, but for black people, it's more of a cultural thing. It's more of the a masculinity. It's more of this breaking the man down, making the strong man seem weak in order to get laughter. It's a humiliating thing to do, regardless of how you look at it on a um, on a moral level. For those that believe in God, have some level of spirituality. It's it's wrong on a moral level. So when people kind of ride this, write this shit off and go, well, you know, all of the other greats have done it. So, you know, it ain't a big deal to me. I mean, that just tells me the type of person you are. You know, what I mean, you signed your name on the dotted line. And you probably went to one of them parties and, and got rammed in the mansion party. Cat Williams probably found you in the mansion party. <laughs> we can't do that, bro. All right. Name one serious role from a black man that required him wearing a dress that's been Oscar nominated, that's been critically acclaimed, that has shaken the, the people. Name one. I would. Because you ain't going to find none, bro. It's all some silly. I hate to say it, but Tyler Perry kind of counts. Um, the Medea character kind of counts in a lot of these movies because, granted, 
you have Tyler Perry wearing a dress, but a lot of the serious, a lot of the subjects and a lot of the things that went on in the movies are in fact serious subjects. So I would, I would kind of give credit to Tyler Perry still. I mean, granted he wears a dress, but this Negro was wearing a dress before Hollywood noticed him. Now I'm not excusing him. I'm exempting him on behalf of he knew what the fuck he was doing from the beginning. You see what I mean? But another thing, the people that were doing a lot of plays with him are the people who are up now. Like he brought a lot of people who he did plays with back in Atlanta up with him when he made it into that level until he was able to get his own studios. The same people that participated in his plays were participating in the TV shows that went nationwide. So I give credit to Tyler Perry in that sense. Other than that, in terms of the dress, he's the one that's actually took in series. Think about it. Pointless shit. Like, White Chicks was funny as hell, but it's a pointless movie, bro. And y'all found... Y'all ain't found. Like, Marlon Wayans and Sean Wayans are the, the prototype of a black... Hollywood comedian that are gonna play that role because they've been doing that feminine gay shit for the longest, bro. Like, they've been sold out. Uh-oh. You know what I'm saying? Like, personally, for me, I've Uh-oh. always had issue with it. I'll poke fun of it. It'd be funny as hell, bro. You'd be funny doing that zesty ass gay shit, bro. But, <laughs> but I, I, I always noticed that. I always wondered. I always cared about that shit. Ever since I was a youngin'. Like, why we always doing zesty this? Zesty You don't see nobody, uh, you don't see no other drum. Zesty man. Ew. Zesty. <laughs> Zesty man. Ay, ay, ay. Ay, ay, ay. Booty bad man. Booty bad man, waste man. <laughs> <laughs> Body maniac. <laughs> All right, booty bad man. <laughs> All right, let me stop. Let's keep going. I'm not genre. No other demographics. No other races doing this flamboyantly zesty gay shit or feminine shit or putting on the dress for for for, for funny shit. We we don't we don't you don't, don't see it nearly as much you see in the black community, bro. And it's why are you gay? You know, why are you gay? That's the variable you're missing in this why fucking argument. Gay? It's swords. Why are you gay? Because there's been countless comedians, <laughs> most specifically, that have been propo- uh, proposed with a, a role that required to them wear that required them wearing a dress, and they're like and. The ones that stood up, zesty you know man, stood on business was like, "Y'all, I'm not putting on no fucking dress." Yeah, you know what happened to them, right? Look what happened to Cat Williams. Ay ay ay. He, this nigga went allegedly because I don't believe it happened. You know what I'm saying? I'm very biased against. I'm very biased for um, individuals like Cat Williams. This, they said this nigga was in Target knocking niggas out. Emotional damage. Then they said he was getting choked out by a 16-year-old. Come on, man. 
all about all, all this shit came about people. I want y'all to think about this. All this shit came about due to Cat Williams pointing out the mansion parties and the rituals. Okay. Facts. All right. Facts. See, I don't like cops, but I like I like detectives. Are these like Sherlock Holmes type of characters, right? Where they see the problem, but the problem is not as important as the root of the problem. Where did the problem stem from? And sort of this strategy, breaking things down, analyzing everything, going through old, you know, going through old information. All of these things tie in and is very, 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 very important when it comes to solving issues and solving problems. Right. When you're able to sit back and see the source of the problem from the very beginning are witness people who've mentioned this already. They've mentioned like how many times do I got to give these Negroes their credit? People like Professor Griff, are you following me? Are you following me? All right. Um, niggas like um, Yash Kara. Where's Where's Yash Kara? That's a nigga. That's a nigga. You know what I mean? Niggas like Yash Kara, talking about the Diddy parties, the Mansion parties, the eyes wide shut activity. Niggas is definitely taking journeys about the Hershey Highway. Niggas is very disgusting, despicable, disturbing, distasteful individuals. You know what I mean? You show up at the parties, right? You showing up at these parties thinking, you know, shit is sweet. Like, you know, shit is, is going to be one of them good times, right? Then a guy pops out of nowhere with a mask on, you know? Stick it right in his butt. You know, nigga with the mask, like, hold up. Stick it right in his butt. Whoa. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Niggas come out of nowhere like... You can't make it to the real party because somewhere if you if you're not a homosexual, ay, ay, they got ay. they got a filtering out process. Ay ay ay! Back to Diddy. Giant freak offs. Giant freak off. Giant freak offs. Giant freak offs. Anything for the moolah. You know what I mean? They got all this universally gay things. You know, booty badman activity going on. You know what I mean? A lot of batiman activity going on. You know what I mean? Very disturbing. Um, very, very out of pocket. Right. And it's always looked at as, hey, man, that's just, you know, that's a conspiracy. That's not going on. Nah, nigga, this is like Rod Sterling needs to come out of nowhere with a narration. Like, this is Twilight Zone, nigga. Fuck out of here. The Twilight Zone. They out here, you got you got Marlon Wayne's out here excusing the Batiman activities, right? He's like, yeah, you know, we put on dresses and we do gay shit on film, but that's just on film, right? Like we're human beings, right? And, and I to an extent I understand what he's trying to say, but at the same time, like, nah, man. You're black. All right, you can't be doing that. Don't try to put yourself in Robin Williams uh cat. What the fuck is wrong with you? Robin Williams, you and Rob, <laughs> stop it, all right? Rest in peace, Robin Williams. He did, he did. He allegedly killed himself. We're going to say allegedly because, you know, 
I'm a conspiracy theorist when it comes to celebrity deaths, especially under strange circumstances. You know what I'm saying? Just like the great, the legend, the one who's responsible for the greatest portrayal Joker since Joaquin Phoenix did the new Joker movie. And which, by the way, that nigga did a to outshadow Heath Ledger says a lot. And I I believe that he outshadowed Heath Ledger in a lot of ways as Joker, because this Joker was a little bit more of like a clown in a sense to where his job is literally to amuse people. And that whole origin story makes more sense. But Heath Ledger, you know, died under also mysterious circumstances. Pretty much the the whole Easter egg with this, it's almost like this nigga had like a mental breakdown from playing the fucking role. That's how good of a job that Heath Ledger did as the Joker in The Dark Knight. Um... Niggas didn't have to wear no dresses, though. I know that. Niggas didn't have to look like fruit cups. Niggas wasn't out here looking like fruit cups, fruit cakes. Okay? Niggas wasn't out here looking zesty. Zesty. All right? Booty bad, man. Booty bad, man. What makes you think I want to put on a dress? What about me makes you think that a dress is what I'm about to put on to carry this role? I, I ain't never done it. I'm never going to do it. That ain't my lane. But for some reason, they keep dangling that shit in front of black men. Right. Like, I don't yeah, think they ever had to dangle that shit with, with the Wayans, bro, because what? they are they always been what? playing with the whole gay shit, bro. Booty bottom back, all the way back in the living color, bro. You know what I'm are saying? They've always been, been doing the, the, the Are you beta male? Beta male. Are you beta male? I don't know if What's the what's the other drag male? queen shit? Chani? You know what I'm saying? With the Jamie Foxes <laughs> and the Wayans. Chani? I think, I, I think Jim Carrey dresses a woman, too. Oh. But, you know, it's much more probable. Oh. Oh, yeah. Jim Carrey. Come on, man. It's almost Jim Carrey is like one of those people where you would almost expect this nigga to wear a dress at some time in his career. Jim Carrey's a legend. Don't get me wrong, man. And I'm a black. Oh, blah. All right. As an American black, um, Jim Carrey does reach the legendary category, in my opinion, in terms of comedians. Not necessarily stand up, obviously, but, you know, even in Living Color, I mean, his improv, I mean, depending on how you look at um, Jim Carrey, I mean, everybody, I guess, would have their own opinion. I mean, a lot of his movies are good. Um, 23 is a good movie. Um, I keep forgetting that film. I forget the name. Um, Endless Sunshine and the Spotless Mind or some shit like that. That's a good movie. Uh, you know, Jim Carrey, The Mask, nigga. Come on, stop it. Cut it out. I grew up watching The Mask. Niggas say The Mask is whack. I'm, I'm fighting niggas right there. You're better off talking about a dead relative, nigga. Like, what? You said The Mask is corny? Yeah, we gotta, we gotta square up. We got to square up. All right. We got to shoot the fair one. Okay. But yeah, a lot of these Negroes and, and, um, cause you remember, you know, Jim Carrey and living color here. You got 
a vanilla white Canadian. And I don't use the term vanilla in the um, racial way. I'm saying vanilla as in the term vanilla, kind of like bland looking, bland in a sense. Um, who went on Living Color and became, you know, hilarious to most black people that watch the show. You know what I'm saying? They'll bring back characters more from Jim Carrey than most of the other people. That's the reality. But you notice he climbed that ladder remarkably fast. Ace Ventura. I mean, like, dude, we're bringing up classics, Jim Carrey. Right? He was able to make classics right away. He kind of came out, you know. Well, I don't want to say it like that, Pauls. He he kind of elevated. You know what I mean? And it's oh, and it's selling out when you don't want to do it. Cool lords, right? If you cool with doing it, like, and then you just you know one of these old. Not true. You, that's like me saying, hey, if you if you're cool with selling your soul, you don't really sell your soul. But if you're really not cool with selling your soul and you sell your soul, then you sell your soul. Like, nigga, what? If you're doing gay shit, even if you are into that shit and you're doing it for an entity and you it's something that you can honestly say I'm against and you're still doing it. Yeah, bro. Yeah. You sold out. Don't matter how you look at it. Because then you'll tell people who don't believe in um, like morals and ethics to have morals. That It doesn't make sense to them. Why would I have morals for it? They may speak from experience. Oh, well, I've seen other people who have this uh, so-called morals. And, you know, they're people who are terrible. Meaning, it's always my belief that there's people who are nice, but they have no morals. So they always find themselves in bad situations or they find themselves with bad people because in a sense of morals, they don't have an opinion in a sense of opinion. They don't have thought. They depend on other people's thoughts and emotions and feelings to have something. Those are the people who are not spiritually and emotionally independent. They need the emotions of others to feel emotional. It's very sad and childish if you think about it, but there's a lot of women that I know who are like this. When your when your post and your memes are centered around finding the perfect guy, but you're a woman who's not in the perfect situation whatsoever, you're living a fantasy land. Okay. <laughs> and you gotta it's sometimes you gotta be direct when you talk to women about these things, because <clears throat> A lot of women are so used to men coddling them in some way or fashion. Like every woman is a victim to a peasant. Like every every woman is a victim and every woman is suffering to a fucking simp. Like they, they look at women as like an endangered species, right? But the women aren't an endangered species. It's the nature caregiving um compassionate aspect, feminine traits, if you will, of a woman that is almost um, a dying species, which is not a species in itself, but it's more of a quality and the ultimate trait. And what, in my opinion, what makes a woman a woman is her femininity, uh, is her femininity, excuse me. I said femininity, her femininity. Um, in the same way that a woman will say what makes a man a man is his structure, how he carries himself. Does he work out? How does he look? His physique, his height, 
all these things tie into the same way. When women can just sit around, point the point the finger at men and what men should be and how men should be, and they're not even like matched up in the sense of finding that type of man, you know a woman's in in, in like la la lands, fantasy world. And it's all concepts. And these concepts turn into copes. And with the men who are like, quote unquote, red pill, make sure the red pill doesn't become a cope. The red pill is not a cope. As a person who no longer does the content, but who still listens to the content creators. Don't take the red pill as a cope. Don't even use the red pill as an answer to all your problems. Use the red pill as a point of reference, um, a point of interest that you every now and then go back to that makes valid points. Don't get caught up in that echo chamber. Don't get caught up in particular content creators. Try to have a more open mindset into who you listen to and try to give people a fair chance to make their points and their arguments. It's almost like... You see a debate or a conversation with somebody. And it's like the person doesn't let the other person finish anything. They always talk over. And then eventually the other person just doesn't say anything. Waits for the person to stop talking and say, okay, can I finish my point now? You see what I'm... It's like that situation. Um, Don't get caught up in the echo chambers. Because the manosphere and the red pill at this point is all echo chambers. You have like certain pockets of information, right? It's like an awkward pair of jeans. Like where your shin is at is a pocket there. Where your calf muscle is at and the other leg, there's another pocket. And you kind of just have to fully go through the entire sphere or you got to go through the entire space to find certain people who make valid points and who aren't just trying to sell you something every chance they get. You know what I mean? The grifto fear. The grifto sphere, you know? The new and improved griptosphere. No longer the manosphere. No longer red pill talking points. It's buy my course. I can get you laid. And that's that. You know? Basura. Embarrassing. And, and, and they just see that in you, right? Like there's certain people that it, it makes sense because they just, they carry that with them. You know what I mean? But you don't you don't put no big swollen ass, you don't put no big, slow, deep voice ass being rains in no dress multiple times. Mm. What the fuck for? What the fuck for? What for what purpose? What 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 awards did he win? What recognition did he get? No, nah, there's another fucking black man selling out. And y'all fucking said out multiple times. You can cope and paint it pretty as you want to make it seem like this is art. This is respected. No, for no fam. You act gay, you act soft, we laugh at you. That's it. Right? That's it. You know what I mean? White chicks was cool, but that white chicks ain't no damn classic. Get out of here. Y'all think white chicks is a classic? Mm-hmm. Nah. Nah. But I mean, but I get it, it, that that role makes sense. That makes sense. That was written up. You know what I'm saying? Like it was required for that that, that movie wouldn't have made sense if they didn't have men dressed up as women. Right, the way the script was written, you know what I'm saying. But like, you got pointless roles out here that men have to put clown, a woman face on or a dress on for no fucking reason, none. Just as a way to like 
you know, puppeteer black folks or, or control them or, or you know, you gotta do this in order to get that, right? Or, or a way to like kick, like get them off, kick them off the king of the hill or put their mental in some shit, bro. Like, all it is, man. And it's easy to remember, man. Shout out to Doggy Diamonds. He knew what time it was. Doggy Diamonds said, you know, this is the humiliation rituals. He, in his reference, it was his reference to um, the band, you know, making the band a TV show on MTV from um, P. Diddy, Brother Love, uh, Puff Daddy, however you want to consider him. And he had the cast walk to Brooklyn from where they were at, which I'm not really sure where they were at, to get a, a cheesecake. And this was at like 1130 at night, close to midnight, something like that. It's a humiliation ritual. It's Diddy's way of seeing who's who's down to do whatever to make it to the top. And it's the best way to look at it, because in itself, it doesn't make any fucking sense. <clears throat> Diddy has bodyguards. Diddy has staff. Diddy has drivers. Diddy's have Diddy probably had shooters at that time. That would do anything at any time of the day at any given given notice by Diddy himself. But he wanted Freddie P, Chopper City, Dylan Dillinger, all right, um, Elliot Ness, Babs, Sarah, and I forgot the other person to walk to Brooklyn to get him that cheesecake. That cheesecake was the ritual, man. That's the cheesecake ritual that will always go in history, man. Monumental. No, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. And you're not gonna sit here and try to like paint it pretty and make it seem like this is is art. I mean, t- technically it, it is art, but it's not necessary. It's unnecessary, right? You can take white chicks away, and nobody's gonna be. I'm gonna tell you like this, and I'm gonna move on after this. I think for that for this time. Going forward, <clears throat> there's certain issues that become sensitive and more sensitive to some than others, right? BLM's a good example. While BLM got a lot of black people riled up, for a lot of black conservatives, they didn't see that shit that way. They kind of saw it as a distraction. And they were ahead of the curve because a lot of us was pointing out the scams. I was pointing out the white guy from um, from Australia you had a white man, white liberal from Australia, uh, posing as a BLM supporter, creating a BLM cha- uh, a BLM page on Facebook and gaining hundreds and thousands of dollars. Got caught in the act and was technically allowed to keep the money because he technically didn't reveal himself as either or in terms of race in the beginning. So there you go. That's BLM for y'all, man. One scammer at a time, man. The scam lords. BLM. Just an example, right? Now, the black people who didn't get riled up about that would get riled up nine times out of ten about seeing black men constantly wearing dresses. That's something that... A lot of black men, including myself, kind of just get tired of seeing. 
like I won't completely wig out over it, but I will say like it's out of pocket. Like celebrities who make millions of dollars, fuck hundreds and thousands, hundreds and thousands, hundreds and thousands to them is like ones and fives in their pocket. Like honestly, they get to that point. It's like, look at the strikes, right? Look at the Hollywood uh, strikes that went on. These celebrities, high paid actors at one time or another are expecting you, a person who just works hard every day to feel sorry for them being quote unquote underpaid as actors. Now, you're black ass, you're white ass, Hispanic ass, Chinese ass, Japanese ass, whoever the fuck you are listening, your ass got to go to work. Um, shout out to my niggas from Belgium. You know what I mean? My, a, a good a good base of my audience is from Belgium. You dig? Heavy support. Also, shout out to the Philippines. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to Canada. They in the building, supporting your boy. But yeah, man, this whole ritual shit, it ain't, this isn't the end. Only because now I think it will just be more prevalent. So in a way, the whole Kevin Hart wearing a dress after saying he wasn't wearing a dress because of his brand and who he represents and what he represents, it becomes prevalent where now he wears the dress And you should already know what that means. Oh, he took the bait. You know, he's a part of the brotherhood. You know. You know, that's just what it is. Marlon Wayans, another person, like I said, I said this in the very beginning. If y'all been paying attention to what I've been talking about, especially with the Kevin Hart's, uh, not Kevin Hart, with the Cat Williams electrifying interview with Shannon Sharp. All these Negroes that wore dresses, they either going to remain silent or they're going to speak out in a hateful way. Not saying that this nigga really spoke out in a hateful way. It's just you're speaking out from a position of participating in that role for money, doing certain acts for money. And there's people who have a little bit more pride, not pride in an egotistical way, but a pride in the most human and righteous way to where you have morals and you have ethics and you have things that you're not willing to do to make it to the next level. You know, and my thing is always saying if a person's willing, if a man's willing to put on a dress to play a role, a man is willing to do other things to make it to the top. And sometimes they got to go down low to make it to the top. Anyway, we're not concluding this episode. This will be a three-hour episode, by the way. Figure I should let y'all know that right away. Um, hour two, out of the way. We still got another video. We got an 11-minute video that we're going to go through. Matter of fact, this may be... Nah, this will most likely be a three-hour episode. Yeah, never mind. Uh, we got another video about uh, Charleston White getting a pass from no jumper affiliate, no jumper worker, brick baby. And the reason why I'm mentioning this is because if y'all remembered, I was talking about Flacco, right? And when Flacco had said something about this nigga Charleston White, allegedly, 
I'm not even going to say allegedly, but I'm going to say it for my sake, even though I don't believe it. Uh, Charleston White was um, having sex with dogs and fucking dogs and shit. And he said this shit out and about on one of the new jumper um, podcasts, which, by the way, no longer exists. I wonder why. Um, And it stirred up some controversy. But most people know that, A, you've done something illegal. You, you You just you said nothing allegedly. You didn't say it to make it seem as a parody. You didn't say it to illustrate it as if this is just, you know, shock value, act bullshit, or if this is something you believe. So now the people who are dumb enough to believe it, believed it. And Charleston White got information about it and was like, hey, I'm going to sue y'all niggas for this. So I'm kind of curious to see what came out of that. But hey, stay tuned. One more segment to go. Don't go anywhere. Be right back.
finally, the conclusion of this episode, long episode, pause. First hour, we went over the third level of this iceberg. This is probably the longest iceberg, not just in terms of the categories or the actual subjects of the iceberg, but the description of the innovative games, in my opinion, went through the list. Go back if you want to listen to that. Although you're on the same episode, this is broken down into segments for a reason. Now, uh, we've went through segment two, which we have jumped into Marlon Wayne's talking about wearing the dress in Hollyweird. Shout out to Night Talk, a.k.a. Stevie Knight. He black. He black. He black. He black. Anyway, uh, now we're going to be going on to Look It's Jay. And we're going to be talking about the Charleston White fuckery. You know, Charleston White, one of the uh, agents of chaos, in my opinion, along with Hassan Campbell. Shout out to both of them, though. But, uh, yeah, let's get into it. Is that Chris? Just slaps. That shit slapped. Hey, bro. And much as I really don't Slapper. like this Charleston White dude, I gotta call a spade a spade. And I ain't gonna lie, bro. I say this every time, bro. I don't care who you is. I don't care how tough you claim to be. Don't talk about how you caught somebody if all you did was pull out your phone. That is goofy, and that is my far the corniest thing anybody can ever do. And you're gonna always look crazy. Man, what is good, YouTube? Y'all already know who it is, man. It's Lucas J here, y'all. Back up with another video, man. And tonight, y'all, we got a crazy and late night video to talk about. Now, I know this video is late. You feel me? Um, I recorded kind of late, but it is what it is. I'm posting it. Watch it. If not, oh well. Now, it seems like in today's classroom, man, we got y'all boys, Uncle Heavy on the y'all, Uncle Charleston White, and Brick Baby on the roster. Now, it seems like Brick Baby, the um the toughest L.A. crib of all time, caught Charleston White in Texas and didn't do nothing but record and say he gave him a pass. Now, we're going to talk about all this, and we're going to talk about everything that Charleston White has said. All right, so let's be honest. You catching a 50-something-year-old slipping is not really a flex, number one. Number two... He would have technically caught you slipping because you're in Texas and where he's from. If Charleston White was in an L.A. club and Brick Baby saw him, then it would be logical that Brick Baby would have gave him a pass. You can't give a pass to someone when you're in their neighborhood and you see them and chose not to react. That's that's weird. Just saying weird. By his deceased friend and about him. And it's just crazy to see. Right, everything transpired, but before we do, the first thing I'm gonna ask y'all to do, man, real quick, is to hit that like button, bro, and smash that notification bell so that you know you can be notified anytime I drop a video, bro. And I can also keep y'all updated on this situation. I'm y'all time to hit that like button and smash that bell. Mm. Y'all got me? All right, bet. 
Now, basically, what we got going on, as I said, y'all, we got Charleston White and Brick Baby on the roster. Now, to give y'all a quick rundown, if y'all know who Brick Baby is, he's a L.A. rapper, also a, a member of the No Jumper podcast. A lot of y'all may know him because he's known as Nipsey Hussle's friend. Also known as close friend, the guy that took Nipsey's life, sadly. Um, one of the guys that was actually seeing both sides of the story and told what people didn't want to hear. And, you know, he ended up getting a name off that. And he beat... In the mix. I don't know exactly what he do other than rap, but he be in the mix, you know what I'm saying? But he's known and very vocal about him being a 60 Crip and being tough. And, you know, he has some things to say to Charleston White. Now, y'all know who Charleston White is, the biggest internet troll slash police slash tough guy in the world. People say he... A.K.A. the agent of chaos. Fast. Whatever. He a community leader for his area. And, you know, he's a very popular Instagram personality. I ain't gonna lie. And if y'all don't know, Charleston White has been on record disrespecting Nipsey Hussle a lot since his passing. Say, well, all sucking Nipsey Hussle fans get in here this morning. Open your mouth up. Let's do the Nipsey Hussle. Say, y'all, let's do the Nipsey Hussle. So, yeah, there was a time period where Charleston White was talking a lot about uh, the dead rappers, really. That's all pretty much it was. It was the dead rappers, but Nipsey Hussle was one of the the main ones, the more effective ones, especially in the West Coast, along with others, of course. Uh, Draco the Roller, rest in peace, and a good amount of other people, right? And he was going back and forth, you know, disrespecting the entire neighborhood, disrespecting entire gangs, disrespecting entire states. But now it's more of a problem with him now because he's the one traveling beforehand. He was just on Instagram doing videos, reaching tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, but still, nevertheless, he was just on YouTube, right? So it wasn't that big of a deal. But now that he's traveling now that he's moving around, now that he's doing shows here, doing shows there, getting a good amount of money, getting a good amount of, of attention in the process. A person who reaches that level of credibility, they got to switch up their entire like they got to switch up their entire strategy going forward. Like you can't have that same type of energy now because now you got money. Now you got something to lose. But guys, to an extent, you know, it's like it's almost the black culture, but it's really based on hip hop. You got to have the change. You got to have the jewelry. You got to have the cars. You got to have the watches. You know, you got to have the shoes. <coughs> Shoe game 150 to 300 off top. You know what I'm saying? You know, back in the 90s, niggas was really like, you know, moving different. You know, in the 90s, niggas had the the wallaby joints um niggas might might have even had the pro cads for all we know i don't remember the 90s like that but niggas probably had pro cads and shit like the chucks in the west coast everybody like the chucks was probably the most sold shoe in the west coast fuck nike adidas all that shit meant nothing in terms of culture 
maybe the Cortex, the Cortez, are those the Cortez, um, the Cortez Nike joints? I know the, uh, I know the, uh, the essays and shit was rocking them heavy. Um, but yeah, niggas got to a point where even regardless of what you do, anything but rapping, niggas still flex and try to live the lifestyle of a rapper. And that's the weird thing. Like the people who make money, who don't flaunt their money and kind of just sit back comfortably. Those are those are the more admirable people than the person who has to flex what they have 24 seven. Like the people that you actually have to find out who are millionaires. Those are the more fascinating people They're the people who got to tell you, you know, at the very least that there's six figures going on seven figures. And they got this fucked up sound effect, so I'm gonna have to skip this. He's pretty much dissing King Vaughn, Nipsey Hussle, and all these other dead rappers. I wanna skip this because you can barely hear it. I can barely hear it. Charleston White or something like that, and even went on to say he the perfect crash out and just have some things to say to Charleston White. He gonna make the right crash, though. He better do his homework on on break back. I said, wait. I pray we don't never cross paths because if you play all that, pull anything out, it's there. It might as well be a gun. I'm telling you, any weapon you pull out. I'm saying, so if you see Charleston White right now, what you gonna say? What you gonna try to approach? I'm gonna try to run away from him. I'm gonna run away from Charleston White. If I see Cuz, I'm going the other way. I'm gonna be honest. Put in Charleston he wants smoke look this is coon lords this is coon lord language all right all right this is this is coon lord this is coon lord language all right those who are only um those who are only experienced in the demonic dialect of what these negroes is talking about understand all right shout out to fyb man all right it definitely hit different the cooning hits different the coon lords hit different all right no jumpers coonathon hits different the no jumper slave auction hits different indeed as y'all seen, you know what I'm saying? He had sent Charleston White a message when he was on No Jump. I think this was like last year. And it's crazy because Charleston White had responded to him too and said something like, oh, big baby, we don't fight. And he had like a big AR up in the air or something like this. I can't <laughs> put no more. Plus YouTube. Cool lords. Yellow Martin Peter. Anyways, but come to find out, um, he put up a video last night where he saw Charleston White in the club, but he gave him a pass. <laughs> Okay, that's cool. Loud, shitty-ass fucking rap music. That's great. You know? Let's, let's skip through that. So the point is, Brick Baby saw Charleston White and allegedly gave Charleston White a pass. Cool. 
a comedian let him live just hashtag don't be late hashtag is break now let me reread that just so y'all think i'm crazy the homie want to wipe cuz right now as we speak i told him a comedian let him live i'm assuming he meant i told him cuz a comedian let him live as y'all see he had somebody in there recording now this could have got bad because you feel me um you never know who watch you and them dudes could have been thirsty and been for crash out and when they did something to him now, also, it makes you look goofy because cool if you Lord. really got a problem with somebody, you're not going to pull a phone out. That's like when people, quote unquote, catch their ops lacking, they pull it out and record. Ain't nothing wrong with you. If you brought your phone, if you're going to record, you ain't finna do nothing, bro. That's just the honest truth. But thank God Charles O'Reilly didn't get hurt because as much as I may not like him as much, I don't wish bad on him. You feel me? But at the same time, that kind of made Brit Baby look either scared or you look goofy. Weird. Now, of course, Charles O'Reilly sees the opportunity, one on live, the clown Brit Baby. And I ain't going to lie, this was funny, but. He kind of had a point where he said, And I made that nigga Brick Baby speak peace last night. That nigga Big Baby, he been talking all this shit about when he see me in Texas, he looking for me, and he finally seen me. Mm. And guess what he did? He took this motherfucking nuts and made his booty tight. He took this nuts and made his booty tight and got quiet. And then run to the internet the next morning and say, We give you a pad. Nigga, don't give me no pass. Kick my my mouth too motherfucking smart to give a pass to. I'm too motherfucking disrespectful to give a pass to. No, we'll kick my ass, nigga. Yeah, my motherfucking mouth way too smart. Nigga, I done disrespected Nipsey Hussle. He need ass kicking. Man, that nigga said, Nipsey, Nipsey, mama, you gonna get a pass? I said, Nipsey, you get him a ass kicking when you see him a pass. No, you kick his motherfucker. That, that nigga said, fuck tripping blood, cuz. That nigga said, fuck six soul. Call you a rolling sixty. And Damn. Mr. Hustle was a secondhand calm drinking. Whoa, whoa. Whoa. See, this is the shit like. <clears throat> like, even people who consider themselves fans of Charleston White. And I know a lot of people who do consider themselves fans of Charleston White. When he says certain things like this, it's kind of like one of those situations where it's like, damn, like he's really, he's really going in, right? He, he really has like, he's really coming with this thing, like no mercy, like no holes barred. I don't know, man. You lying to me? Unless you're scared. <laughs> you pass him a ass whooping immediately. So if you was in my set, cuz, I'm just saying, cuz, if you was in my set, cuz, we'll DP you like Big U was finna DP Nipsey Hustle on Damn. studio equipment. Remember the rolling sixties was go DP Nipsey Hustle over that over that studio equipment. Damn. If was in my set, cuz if I was still claiming sixty like I used to, if I was still claiming sixty like I used to, we'll DP you, cuz. Damn. Damn. On six O, cuz we'll DP your motherfucker, cuz on six O, cuz on Damn. 
On neighborhood, cuz. We'll we sweet homie. We'll, nah, cuz, for real, cuz. We'll DP the homie, cuz. Damn. You gonna, gonna see the mark and not jump on the mark and not do nothing to the mark, cuz? Coon Lords. Nah, cuz. Coonin. Cuz on 6 on neighborhood crib, cuz. We'll DP you, cuz. Coonin. Nah, cuz. You see that nigga in the club, cuz, and you don't do nothing, cuz. That nigga just nip, cuz. Goddamn, cuz. On the set, cuz. On neighborhood 6 crib, cuz. Coons. Coon Lords. Because I'm telling you. Wilding out. Y'all still know how to throw it up, man. Boom. Damn. Boom. So for people that don't know, may have not known, <coughs> as a youth, Charleston White was in fact affiliated with a street gang within the Blue Hue. Um... And yeah, today, of course, he is a advocate against certain activities, but he always finds himself in situations with those who are who are actually involved in possible criminal related activity. Crip crazy, cuz. I still know how to roll it, cuz. I still know how to roll it, cuz. As y'all saying, he's saying what everybody else said. You know, he's been really disrespectful towards a guy that people look up to, Nipsey Hussle. And, you know, and been very disrespectful towards him. And people felt like Charles White shouldn't get a pass. Now, I ain't going to lie to the Nipsey Hussle situation. I felt like with OD because Nipsey wasn't like a disser or nothing like that. And he was a very smart rapper compared to all the other dudes. He still was a 60 Crip. But Charlton White went on to say something that a lot of people don't want to share, but it kind of caught my attention. And this is what he had to say. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, not, but but not over in his country, they don't refer to him as Nipsey. They call him Earmus. Uh Earmus will go down in the history books. Yes, sir. Nip just gonna be on the record label. So we want to embrace the name Earmus. It's like children would know the man and not the rapper. That's all I want, homie. I don't wanna hurt this man and hurt the character. I just wanna hurt the rapper's image. Cause this was a great man. <laughs> I think that's just another, and this is why I always consider Charleston White to be the agent of chaos. I mean, who else can spend most of his time in the spotlight disrespecting Nipsey Hussle, disrespecting other rappers who died, and then go on this weird apology type tour where he goes back on what he says and give the people their flowers. And then the black people go, oh, okay, Charleston White's all right. It's just weird. It's not that I don't think Charleston White, I mean, I think he's entertaining. I like a lot of his um, his interviews. His interviews are pretty entertaining. But in the terms of, is he talking about anything entirely different? No, not really. Not really. He may go off. He may go against what he said in his last interview, but that's only to the people who are able to catch what he's saying when he's saying it. He doesn't hate Irmus, which was Nipsey Hussle's real name, because I know he Eric Shreen. He said he don't like the Nipsey Hussle character, the 60 crew that he became. And he kind of got a point because, you know, when you are a, a, a crip or whatever, a 60 crew, no matter how smart you is, nobody is bigger than the program, quote unquote. So it's like a crab in the bucket mentality. No matter how big you get, they're going to always try to do whatever they can to bring you back down to what you were at one point in time, and there's really no such thing as growth. And before you know it, you'll be in jail or dead soon. So 
all the people that's watching this, don't be in the gang. Don't be loyal to the set because the set will be the same thing that gets you to the nut out of here. But Brick Baby, Nike of the day goes to you, bro. You recorded somebody instead of doing something or just left that old man alone, bro. If he ain't touch you, you shouldn't even be worried about him. Charles White is a troll. At the end of the day, he going to taunt you. And the moment you put your hands on him, he going to call the police on you. That's the end of the day. But Charles better start moving safe because it could have easily got ugly for him. But give me y'all thoughts and opinions. And let me know how y'all feel about this in the comment section. And let me know, do y'all feel like Nipsey Hussle, homie, the clout chaser? Do y'all feel like Charleston White Lucky? Do y'all feel like bro was playing it safe because it kind of got ugly? Or how, how y'all feel about this whole situation? Give me y'all thoughts and opinions and let me know how y'all feel about it. It's your boy Lucky J. Thank God for another day, man. Y'all be safe. I love y'all. Christ love y'all so much more, man. Yeah, bro. All right. So I had no idea that um, uh, the dude Brick Baby was close to Nipsey. I guess I should have known. I don't know. But I had no idea. So I think with that situation, a person realistically should not forgive Charleston White for all the shit he said. But people tend to. But I think that's the way that His content and his brand is almost promoted within a level of negativity, um, a little bit of propaganda here and there, right? Something within the shock category that gets people talking about uh, Charleston White. And then he does another interview, uh, maybe with a female where he's calm, he's relaxed, he's talking about real issues, and then people listen to Charleston White yet again. That's kind of like an um, a ongoing theme. Most people figure it out, but even by then, they, they're kind of just more so fans of the entertainment and just hearing... And seeing Charleston White crash out. But I don't know. Depending on how you look at it. Um, get this off. 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 Alright. We're going to go on to YouTube. End things off like that. <coughs> Before I have to get ready to take this journey off to work. To start off another week. Definitely not happy about that. Um. Yeah, I'm gonna just go on YouTube. My shit's already on 82%. Then again, it is. 1244 so have to keep that in mind oh we got a video about um, academics there's a lot of people that are exposing academics I just want to go through one of the videos just to see if there's anything agreeable about it or is these people just hating you know what I mean factor cap type of episode maybe but uh, worth going through. So I think we're going to talk about that. Did it? Was I able to do that? 
Hold on a second. Let me make sure that I was able to grab that um, earlier this morning. Because I only have one thing listed here, and then and that's only a, a interview based on Pierce Morgan. Pierce Morgan and Charlemagne the God. Can you believe that? Wow. Sickening. But yeah, that's crazy. I think I didn't, I may not have uh, gathered this. Which, you know, that would that would suck. But I think that's the case. Where is this at? Um, no, I have it. I just didn't add it. Wow. Let's start going through that. Fuck it. We'll go through that. That'll be a good way to end the episode. Um, then I figure later on we'll be able to go through enough uh, information on. Um... All right. My bad about the uh, interruption. Of course, my recording randomly stopped because I had my Wi-Fi on and I was on YouTube. Those two combinations, for some reason, um, deletes my uh, video. Or not my video, my audio. So that's great. So now I am back once again. I want to go through this academics video. All right. So that's what I'm going to go through. The video is called Why Everyone Hates DJ Academics. We're going to go through an academics detractor and see what, if anything, being said could be true or if any of this shit is solid information to go about on. I've added this just because, you know, seems interesting to me. DJ Academics is always in the headlines for one reason or another. Whether it's his conflict with artists like Freddie Gibbs and Saucy Santana, his controversial comments, revelations about his personal life, or the chaotic personality that he displays on social media. Although his whole job just revolves around reporting on hip-hop news and drama, he somehow managed to be labeled as the most hated man in the hip-hop genre, to the point that these days, it seems like people are trying to bring him down once and for all. Today, we're gonna showcase all of the events that led him to this unfortunate point. Starting with the time that he was called out by Nipsey Hussle in 2017. Over the years, academics, real name Livingston Allen, went from a YouTuber on the fringes of hip-hop culture to becoming one of the biggest commentators that the culture has to offer. Along the way, he also became one of the most polarizing figures, with some users suggesting that the biggest mistake of our generation was making this clown one of the voices of it. But the disapproval of some of the audience outside of his infamous dream chat is only part of the problem. Because for a lot of artists, the way that Act conducts his business is seen as in no way beneficial to the culture. Back in 2017, the now deceased Nipsey Hussle Pretty much said that I think <clears throat> I think immediately going <clears throat> off of this narrative alone doesn't really do its justice and it just makes somebody seem like someone who's reaching. And I'm not saying this person who's talking about it is reaching, but people like this, where you know he's had Nipsey Hussle called them out. Nipsey Hussle called him out over, um, I forgot what it was. It was some stupid situation, in my opinion. And whatever backlash came out with that, I guess, happened. I didn't look at it any different. 
you know, so to each his own, I guess. Going for this argument. Yeah, he's a buster. He's a weirdo. He's a whooping ass in real life. He behind the camera, and you guys just let clowns be clowns, man. Like I, was, I was on, I was on everyday struggle, mm -hmm. and I walked out just because, you know, I just I'm not a clown. I don't, I don't, I don't come from that world of like you make jokes about. We used to fuck us up. We used to fuck us up for trying to film fights. He got a little internet run he going on, but you know we just gotta let himself destruct because he, he's on the path. The only problem for those plotting on his downfall is that Ak has weathered every storm, even when he turned a whole city against him. Back when he was still at Rutgers University, Ak began making a documentary series on the inner city gang violence in Chicago, which is known as the war in Chirac. Thanks for checking them, check it out now. See, things don't plan on living more than 10 to 15, maybe 20 years, 25 years pushing it. 30. Definitely a senior citizen, okay, at least in Chirac. Because he covered Chirac. The argument was that this was about the emerging drill scene. But a lot of people he covered never picked up a mic in their lives. So discussing the purpose of the series, which Pure ran thuggery. for three years and got its own dedicated channel, Act told Daily Dot that he wanted to show how stupid all of the violence was. You have to let people know that this is not even cool. This is ridiculous. You have to point out, are you satire? And that's exactly what I've done. However, Makes this could sense. be the tone he used in the videos wasn't something that the people on the front lines or witnessing their honestly once again this is another disputable thing when you hear people like little reese give dj academics his credit for mentioning a lot of rappers from the artist perspective mentioning a lot of people like him and putting him on a higher level to where now those fans of academics can look up the music from little reese or know more about chief keith or, you know, anything else in that particular conversation. And I don't think it was really negative for them. I If you think about it, what academics was saying wasn't getting anybody locked up. He wasn't out here ratting. He had a more satire approach to a lot of the things that he was talking about, which at that time was able to just make it as acceptable when it came to YouTube. And trust me, the war in Chirac, in my opinion, is definitely one of the top YouTube channels. Friends lose their lives in Oblock, Tukaville, and the other areas involved appreciated. Eventually, he came face to face with someone from Chicago, and he took the chance to let the world know how the people on the ground really felt about him. I wanted to slap you in your face, yeah. honestly. And I'm just seeing you here, so I'm like, this is a tame environment, so I would keep it to my word. Like, whatever made you feel like you had a, a space to have a perspective on our people dying on a daily basis? And I'm gonna tell you the truth, I really think you're a picture. Like, this is not a video game. That's the thing I grew up with, I've known since I was five years old. And to see you come on the internet with this corny little voice and make jokes about it, like, you know, I was waiting to see you. This day, Vic Mensa still hasn't been able to let this go, calling Ak's channel a parasitic platform in February of 2023. His sentiments about how Ak used the shy have been echoed by other shy town rappers like G Herbo and 600 Breezy. Academics always got me into some shit. Stop putting together and I'm gonna get up with you, Academics. Although he managed to get some shy town rappers onto his podcast over the years, such as Lil Durk, it's no surprise that he still has no plans to visit over fear of what would happen. I ain't gonna show you. You won't catch me show. And that's because of the whole 
Orange Chirac stuff. I think me covering Chicago, I've developed such a fear of it. But when he's not getting heat for using a whole city's heartache to make his name, he's catching flack for his obsession with numbers. Over the years, academics has been so preoccupied with first week sales to point that to him, it eclipses any discussion about artistry or the quality of music. And that's what the numbers do. The numbers just signifies who's consuming it. All right, so this perspective makes perfect sense on academics part because he's literally a person in that industry who knows when an artist makes a certain amount of money where they can go in a small period of time versus someone who may have, let's say they have a decent level of numbers, but later on they can do an album that that goes platinum or something of that nature. I think this critique is from somebody who kind of sees what's been going on throughout the years. Let me ask you this question, right? This inherent question that goes outside music. If a tree falls in the woods and nobody hears, does it make a sound? If someone makes the most amazing music ever, but no one listens to it, is it that amazing? It's a mindset like this that has done damage to his credibility and his... Regardless of how you look at it, and you can add spooky music in the background, what he's saying makes sense. If you're in the industry, your opinion is going to be very similar to what he just said. You making the best music and that music not being heard, or just you making great music and the music is not heard, you know, there there is that... There is that sort of out of sight, out of mind mentality when it comes to music and when it comes to entertainment. That's why people that, you know, are in the entertainment business, they try to be consistent because the moment that they take a break, a break that's a little too long. By the time they come back, it's like, you know, the public is so fickle that they forget about them. You know, they forget all about them after a two month time period. Like when he infamously said a legend like Young Thug wasn't a big dog in hip hop because he sold under 100k. It also led to him losing an ally like NBA Youngboy, who was cool with him until he started going down that route with one of his projects. He recently did something with NBA Youngboy, by the way. That's all you like to do is get drunk and talk. That was gonna get you but when it comes to act getting into hot water after commenting on someone's numbers they don't come more infamous than his beef with freddie gibbs it all started after freddie gibbs threw some shade at his former label boss jeezy on a podcast claiming that he was irrelevant without being asked to academics waded into the conversation and claimed that it was actually gibbs who was irrelevant i'm at the green i would definitely not let a rapper sell thirty thousand think he got and could flex on me sorry buddy I've been working in this so game. Jack might have been able to come out on top in most situations he'd found himself in up until then. But this time, he'd run into a master troll. In a Twitter war for the ages, Freddie labeled him a Teletubby and even sold merch which pictured him as one, as well as offering $5,000 to any woman who would openly admit to sleeping with him. Freddie also released some hilarious freestyles. And overall, it seemed like Freddie had the last laugh 
And Ak even admitted this on No Jumper. I had just moved into my crib, 8,000 8, square feet. So I'm like, wait, this guy think I'm in a basement stream? I'm like, yo, bro, I guarantee my crib big, bigger than your whole situation. So I'm talking I'm like, yo, post your tax returns. I'll show you, I'll show the whole world how broke you rappers are and what's really going on. And he was just like, yo, listen, man, you look like this little Teletubby in this meme that I'm gonna post. And everyone's like, <laughs> ah, that's way funny. And I'm like, fuck. Besides, the hip hop community had Freddie's back. Gibbs is respected worldwide. Who will remember academics in 10 years? Nobody. So, yeah, this is another hater, and I'm going to have to disagree. Like, for one, I don't even know who this guy is, and I don't think I'm going to mention him. Because, let's be logical, in 10 years, people will still know who Academics is. Whether he's – if Academics falls off now, in 10 years, people will still mention Academics. If you talk about the shit that was going on with the Diddy situation, a lot of information was found by Academics. So in one way, you're going to mention the nigga's name for you to say in 10 years, a person won't be won't be known like mark it down It's like 10 years ago. That's like saying that to him 10 years ago when he did the war in Chirac. That was 2013, 14, 2024. Now, my dude, like. I don't know. Nigga just sounds weird thing has made me love Freddie Gibbs even more. Even huge YouTubers like Anthony Fantano came out in defense of Freddie Gibbs. Meanwhile, Freddie Gibbs' responses to everything DJ Academics said is saying, <laughs> boy, shut the fuck up. You pay for sex. My son's room is bigger than your house, bitch. Stop it. Uh, I'm not Vic Mensa. I want proof that you didn't have oral sex with Takashi, so on and so forth. So everything Freddie is saying to him. But as he's proven time and time again, it's hard to keep act down and even is it like and, and this goes back and but he's a fan of Freddie Gibbs, but what he talk about what happened to Freddie Gibbs in Buffalo? Probably not, right? So all these so you got a rapper who's beefing with a hip hop personality, and that's like the wave that's cool to people? I don't know, that's kind of corny to me. Because obviously that same energy wasn't brought back when it came to another rapper from New York that wanted smoke. So, I don't know. Weird to me. Chili, he went on the offensive again, exposing Gibbs as having a cop for a dad. His father is a police officer. I remember that. Yeah, I remember this live. This is legendary. Hold up. Playing with his father's badge <laughs> handcuffs police uniform chill and gun chill and also took allowance that came from his father's police salary Coon. said what should I do with all of these things at my disposal Coon Lords. he went to a fucking studio to make up a fake persona of being some type of Gangsta. Since then, Freddie continued to issue threats, and at one point, he even claimed that he could have had academics killed. But Act kept standing his ground, and wouldn't hesitate to go off on Freddie during one of his infamous Twitter rants. After Freddie had a messy split from his adult star slash baby mama destiny, Act used this to his full advantage, to the point that he maybe went a little far. Freddie, what you didn't know and you're going to hear her admit is that when she hit me up, which was about four months ago, your child was already two months 
cooking in that belly. Damn. When she appeared on Adam 22 Plug Talk, your child was a little bit more than baby batter at that point. That's Freddie Jr. in that gut. She wanted to link with me. This might sound crazy, but I, I hope you understand the grace I have extended you. I would have been rubbing that belly. I bought a stethoscope off Amazon. I was going to have a stethoscope in my ear and have the joint on her gut. Although everyone knew that he and Freddie hated each other, no one knew he would go that far and were pretty shocked by it. With one user commenting, academics most definitely going through all seven levels of hell for this one. But over the course of his career, <laughs> Ak has proven that he doesn't take too kindly to threats. Now, keep in mind, did I play that yesterday? Or maybe, yeah, I think I played that yesterday. Or maybe was it Saturday? It could have been Saturday. Going along with the, um, you know, academics finding out that his homeboy, Lil Boom, was uh, booming with the uh, pedo energy. He had P3do energy. He had predator energy, child predator energy from Lil Boom. He had to get excommunicated from the academy. And um, academics went through it, man. Shed some tears. It's a very tough situation to see unfold. Not because I felt bad for academics. It's like, yo, man up, nigga. Like, turn, stop streaming. You out here shedding tears and shit. What type of shit is this, man? The nigga's far gone. He's out of here. And there's nothing you can do about it. See, you should be lucky that you live a civilian lifestyle. If you if you were to live like the mafioso niggas, you couldn't let that slide. He would have had to go, man. No ifs, ands, or buts. He would have had to. You would have had to get him up out of there, man. You know what I mean? None of that should be tolerated. He would have had to been exclusively thrown out of this world. Are you following me? Any type of predatory um, nastiness, any type of rhetoric that involves. Uh, pedo activity like that's that's a no-go automatic disqualification and termination without a doubt you're out of here bye-bye you know what I mean goner you're out but you know other people I mean I guess they're cool with that I mean look you're you're talking about Hollywood my nigga so if you're talking about you know just the, the blatant fuckeries that's taking place. I mean, who knows? Who knows? Despicable. has years-long beef with Nicki Minaj. Back when Ak was still on Everyday Struggle in 2019, Ak critiqued Nicki pretty heavily for some of her antics and came down on her for tracks like Megatron flopping. In response, she called him Joe Budden's sidekick during an interview with his former co-host. For a while, it seemed like Nicki was pretty unbothered, but suddenly, she slid into his DMs and let him have a piece of her mind, warning him to lay off in the process. She said, uh, you By the way, this situation actually turned out to be more severe than this guy wants to admit, which automatically, I mean, it automatically tells me that this guy's a bit biased, right? He's against academics. So let me explain the situation. So for the most part, 
academics is mostly a fan of not just Nicki Minaj, but also Cardi B and other women. But he's very critical about certain decisions that they make. He's a person who's considered a hip hop personality, in my opinion. And I think he kind of gets a level of praise from other people when they're talked about the right way. If you catch my drift where Drake, for example, he won't say anything bad about Drake. And a lot of people who are fans of academics might also be fans of Drake. So that may be his diehard uh, supporters. The people outside of this are like, all right, when is this nigga going to crash out? Who's he cussing out tonight? You know, who's cussing him out? Who's talking shit about him? That's what people see academics for. And I call this crashademics. And I think crashademics is a great word. It's a great uh, description of him when he is just out of pocket being disrespectful. What ended up happening with Nicki Minaj was um, he was talking about, I think, the album and how there was good songs and some songs, you know, weren't really that good for the album. You know, not too critical, but brutally honest, let's just say. Uh, she actually, and he revealed the messages, of course. Um, she she then proceeded to call and then text him, threatening him about sending some goons, you know, outside of his studio or whatever. Some crazy shit like that. And to prove that this is true, um, what's the gay content creator? I forgot his name. Uh, Jason Lee. Um, Jason Lee, the gay content creator. The reason why I call him the gay content creator, because there's also a Jason Lee who is a skateboarder, professional skateboarder, not to be confused with the professional skateboarder, Jason Lee, um, the homosexual content creator, Jason Lee, um, was also threatened and was told that, you know, if he didn't calm down on his harsh criticism about Nicki Minaj, she would send the goons. So in a very incriminating and idiotic and absurd and moronic fashion, she was able to um, post these threats. And then these threats were both exposed by academics and by Jason Lee on their respective platforms. All right. So, yeah, that's what really happened. But let's continue. Send me a joke about you, Joe, on my show. The people you rep will stop your job from being broke. I know too much about your family for you to be playing with me, you ho ass rat. Where you at now? Ho ass rat. I forgot about ah. you. Said, send your number. My husband wants to talk rat. to you. If I were you, I'd send your number because you're going to make it worse. As someone who wasn't ho yet ass in rat. household name, academics <laughs> was pretty happy. Why he get called? <laughs> Yo, she called that nigga a ho ass rat. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious, bro. You a whole ass rat, all right? A ratta, all right? That's sick, bro. Whole ass rat. Come at him like this and said it reflected worse. This is signs of a downward spiral. Remember, she got at some um, journalist who got uh, who criticized her, and eventually that journalist got fired. She got the right one, like me. I like to keep it all the way public. This is how I came up, baby. Like, this is great. So she really just gave me content. Since then, Akas very rarely had any kind of word to say about Nicki Minaj. And after Nicki's husband was threatening Offset on her behalf, 
During the latest installment in her feud with Cardi B, Ack went all the way off. I don't know nobody with a good uh, um, a, a good story about Nicki. Nicki Minaj has continued to give a facade of her being a decent, nice person behind the scenes. For anybody who's had real interactions with her, they've realized that she doesn't see anybody as people as someone that sh she should respect. Definitely not as equals. Definitely not as someone that she can't control. And now, which is very sad, and this is why I'm so happy that she's being exposed. Nicki Minaj actually think that she's against the bully. Nicki Minaj actually thinks that because she married a top-ranking blood member Jesus. of some set, Jesus. she threaten and intimidate people with that guy. She tried to do it to me. He don't. He only knows what he knows. He don't know nothing about the music industry. He's a crash dummy. He's been crashed out m multiple times before. <laughs> so he's why he's on federal uh, probation for With fighting talk like that, Come it's on. no wonder that some people have questioned cool if Ack is putting himself in serious danger by constantly getting lit off the henny and running his mouth. <laughs> lit off the henny! Stop! Yo, getting lit off the henny? Huh? Getting lit off the henny? Billion, right? But yet, you telling is to pull up. Pull up. Right? You inviting this to drama. And you saying, when you get there, I, I ain't going to do nothing to you. I'm just going to defend myself. But what if what, what if this actually pull up? And niggas actually pull out. Well, as he proved during his beef with Meek Mill, Act will also play the civilian card when it suits him. Academics canceled because he's a bad police. And our see, and this is the thing. Like once again, this is now just entertainment. Now at this point, because when did academics ever tell you that he was a hitter? He had any street credibility? He knew any street goons? When did, when did, when did academics play a role outside of a civilian? That's what I want to know. Now, some people, and understandably so, some people will just connect his relationship to 6ix9ine. Oh, well, you was cool, you was cool with 6ix9ine. 6ix9ine a rat. Academics is a fucking hip hop personality who not even who now lives in a multi-million dollar mansion. The last thing he cares about, he ain't doing nothing illegal to get ratted on. So in his mind, he didn't give a shit. And my question to the haters and the naysayers is what puts him in a position to where he would have to be otherwise? Like, what puts him in that situation to where he's as critical as a street nigga in terms of what happened and, and how it went down? Like, oh, 6ix9ine ratted. I can't fuck with 6ix9ine anymore. 6ix9ine snitched. Right? And your whole... Your whole involvement into the industry is just based on information and to prove 
that somebody like academics really didn't give a fuck in terms of, you know, the entertainment value and the information value in the 6ix9ine case, he covered the entire trial of him snitching. Of him mentioning Jim Jones, of him mentioning Cardi B, all these niggas. Shit was crazy. But this proves the this proves the point that academics for the most part, when it comes down to information, when it comes down to what's going on, if it's out there, he's talking about it. Friends, foes are in between. And look, I'm gonna tell y'all the reason why um niggas like in academics won't really be going anywhere, right? Um unlike a lot of these other guys who are like content creators, you got Hassan Campbell. Who's who's Hassan Campbell? The big YouTuber, right? The big YouTuber. Are you following me? He's the big YouTuber. Hold on, let me play the sound. We we was talking about the bitch that work at um the bitch that work in Burger King. Oh fat ugly bitch. Oh fat ugly bitch. Fat, nasty bitch. You know what I mean? He's the big YouTuber. Why didn't he get the free meal at Burger King? Are you following me? This is a conspiracy. This is a conspiracy, brother. Why Why didn't brother Hassan Campbell, brother Poppy, get the free Burger King uh, meal? That's a conspiracy. They didn't, they didn't, they had no idea who he was. He was a big YouTuber. He's a big YouTuber. That's how he said it. He's a big YouTuber. So they they, they failed to realize that. And so he had to uh, reprimand them for that. Are you following me? You know what I mean? Had to get put on blast for that, man. You don't you don't you don't disrespect a big YouTuber. Are you following me? Niggas out here look like dope fiends. Word up. Niggas out here look like crackheads, bro. Straight up. Niggas look like crack fiends. Running into the store like they about to rob the place. Looking like crackheads. Goddamn shame, man. It's 27 degrees, but fuck. Niggas out here looking like smooth drug addicts, man. Niggas out here looking wild, man. Fucking weird. <sighs> Niggas is weird, man. I'm telling you. Dealing with these blacks, dude. Typical everyday black. Pathetic. <laughs> Pathetic. Look at these guys. These guys look like either they look like pedophiles. Either they look like straight up fucking pedophiles and weirdos. Or nah, they nah, they really look like child predators though. A lot of these dudes out in my area. The niggas look weird, man. They really look like weirdos. But yeah, it's 123. Let's finish this video. Talk a little bit more about this. This is going to be a major episode. I'm letting y'all know the episode later on tonight will not be as long. We might actually just keep it at a um, hour and 30 minute tops type of occasion. But uh, let's continue this. Sure don't need him. 
Meek tweeted in 2020. He also gassed a lot of beef that got people killed and hurt and never donated a dollar to the culture. After Ak responded, saying that he wasn't in the position to cancel anyone, things escalated to the point that Meek basically implied that he was putting out a hit on him. But at this point, academics immediately alerted police. Stop snitching on yourself. Stop telling the world you're greenlighting people and just do what you have to do. When you say green lighting, I send that to the police. I'm gonna be honest with you. Like, you just told me in front of the world, okay. Elimination. I call cops, okay? You threaten me, I call police. I call policia, okay? You threaten me, I call D50, okay? Elimination, all right? Elimination. That nigga said I called the cops, Nick. I called the cops, Nick. <laughs> oh boy. Mm-mm. Coon shit. Now whether you like academics or not. A couple important factors are needed are needed to be mentioned in this situation. Now, once again, rather than a situation to where academics is a platinum selling artist, platinum selling rapper. He is a hip-hop personality. Is he a person connected to the culture to some degree? Yes. To most people's perspective, yes. Um, does this put him in a situation to where it is hip-hop dominant, culture dominant? Like, yeah, this nigga academics is from the hood. No. So I don't, I don't really care that academics called the cops on Meek Mill for issuing a proposed death threat to academics online or in communications of phone or messaging. I'm sorry, I just don't. Cops. Hey, Meek Mill, that's his account, that's the people, do you say I'm great? Are you dumb? Since then, Meek has told academics to stop posting him, but in typical act fashion, he's completely ignored that request. While Meek was probably just sick of Act's narrative on him, one rapper who's taken it a step further to the point that it may lead to the courtroom is Megan Thee Stallion. The saga all revolves around the Tory Lanez and Megan Thee Stallion incident where he shot her in the foot at a party in Los Angeles. The whole thing has been covered pretty extensively, so I'm not gonna go into too much detail here, but the bottom line is that from the start, Academics wasn't buying Meg's version of events. So once the proceedings got underway, Act was fighting Tory's and I and I love this personal attack type of video because what it represents is here you have a person who's taking one person's opinion and meaning it exclusively for him. Which, by the way, is everything but the truth. Many people do not agree with um, Megan Thee Stallion's claim against 
um, what's the dude's name? What's the guy's name? Yeah, I forgot the dude's name. Tory Lanez, my bad. Tory Lanez. A lot of people are believing Tory Lanez over Megan Thee Stallion. And it's not just his talking point. It's not just his opinion. It's a lot of people's opinions who's mentioned this. And to me, it's almost bullshit to say that it's anything but that. Um, for the people who know about the Tory, the Tory Lanes and Megan, um, the stallion thing, you know about it. Uh, my opinions is I, I think that the, the guy's actually innocent in my opinion, but you would have to listen to the extensive video evidence, the things that were mentioned, the opinions, her view on things later on. It just seems weird. Suspect. Quickly posting the news that the DNA evidence on the gun was inconclusive. Immediately, Meg fired back at academics and claimed that there was no possible way he could have this information. Court ain't even started yet, so why are y'all ready to start lying? I know some of y'all blogs on payroll, but please don't get sued trying to create a hate campaign. Be a real journalist and post facts. Clearly, the threat of a lawsuit did nothing to scare Ack off, who came right back at her. You've been living off a narrative, and it's sad you made it where if Tory don't go to jail, you don't win. Over time, he went from making it about the trial to going deeper about her career. At The Stallion, you literally signed to a dude, managed by a firm, and signed to another conglomerate. You don't own nothing you put out. You literally won all your awards off this you got shot storyline. Get your masters back, then holla. Hated by Megan's fans, and even shaded by her lawyer that labeled his actions as nothing more than the dishonest machinations of a desperate man, Ak has remained defiant whenever talk of the lawsuit came up. And if anything, he's gone even harder. Recently, when Megan claimed that her days of being promiscuous were over, he saw this as the perfect time to do an expose on her. Tori knew you was... By the way, Tori felt you was easy. Let, I'm, I'm not speaking to Tori. I'm speaking on everything I've heard about that situation. He was easy. He was flying to him. He never had to do nothing. He never had to inconvenience himself. He had to do like you left your team, flew on a private jet without security anybody to see him. You're paying tens of thousands to go see him, to get piped out at his spot. He's getting free. He's chilling. He don't care. At the moment, Megan hasn't responded to the latest claims and she probably doesn't even have to because by ignoring them, it contributes to the idea that he only picks on women like this. Just look at what he had to say about SZA. So this is all, once again, him proving himself wrong. So I'm going to actually stop this video because to me, I think it's childish now. So here you talked about the problems that he had with Freddie Gibbs. All of the personal shit he said about Freddie Gibbs, right? You go from going to that route to now saying, well, he only goes after women. Not buying it. I just think to an extent, a lot of people are, you know, a little sour about the fact that regardless of what academics gets into, he has a large fan base of people that will pretty much rock with him no matter what if they rock with him on um if they rock with him on some like entertainment shit all right fuckery who's getting into an argument what's the fight about that's going to be a situation if it gets even deeper to where it's only people listening to him for 
I don't know, um, an argument for negativity, then that's another thing. But I'm going to be honest, like for people who just hate academics, I don't really see much a solution to their problems. They'll just be channels, Shea Butter, Twitter, IG, all of these other um, women that's on these platforms will have something to say. They'll always have something bad to say. Therefore, they'll always have their little, they'll have their saying, oh, well, academics is involved in um, these sex parties. Or academics had the pool party like Diddy and had women getting fucked and he was fucking women. And it's like, come on, man. Eventually, it's like enough's enough. And you don't got to like academics. You don't have to be a fan of academics. I think a lot of shit he talks about makes a lot of sense when he decides to talk about those subjects. And because me personally, I'm not a hip hop head like I used to be. Really, only only when it comes to certain music will I actually consider myself a genuine fan of hip hop. But when he talks about, like, it, for for the people that dislike or hate academics, when he talks about the women who are in the industry and what certain women have to do to keep the position that they have whether you like it or you just absolutely hate it it's what it is I think to a certain degree because of favoritism or because of some weird level of nepotism to where in some magical land They know the right people, so they're just directed in the right position. All you have to do is equate the image to the talent, right? If the woman is genuinely talented and she's able to make it to a position without being like a legitimate sex object, She's held in higher grounds and she's at a higher position than a lot of other women who are in the so-called industry. The industry now is almost like a stable of sex slaves where they would have to do, you know, certain risque type of things to be seen as household names and no longer be looked at as just a sex object. Now you're a sex object who's handpicked, who's handpicked by some of these elites, right? And yeah, of course you had to, you had to do all the things that you didn't really want to do, but you did them. And by you doing them, you got in a high position. You got in a high, you got into a, well, you got into a high position, but you got into a low percentage. Now you've done what you needed to do to be essentially a part of the 10%, right? And when you reach the 10%, you're in a 
different bracket now. Now you're now you're reaching the millions, and to an extent, you sell out something to get to where you're at. And I don't mean this in just super supernatural sense, but I do mean it in a spiritual sense, where a portion of what you are and rep- represent. A portion of what you are and what you represent can no longer be you. You have to become what the contract or what you are entitled to be as a entertainer, as a performer, etc. Right. So to some to some degree, you get to that next level. It's almost like a thing to where, okay, you sell out, too. And it's not. And when I say sell out. Even to the extent of Kevin Hart, a lot of people like myself will say Kevin Hart sold out. But the only reason I say that is he did something that previously, just months ago, he said that he would never do. And that's wear the dress. Now you're on Saturday Night Live, you know. What was once known... As like, you know, the greatest comedy sketch comedy show of all time. Now you on there with a dress on. Going against everything that you so-called stood up for in the last interview. So some people choose not to pay attention and some people choose to stay ignorant because it's one of the great options that's available. If you can pretend that nothing's going on, nothing happened, then you'll be just fine. But on the other hand, you might be one of those people who kind of get tired of the same song and dance. And you get tired of seeing people, whether you like them or not, a lot of people get criticized for things that are true. But then the people that blatantly lie to them, they let them excuse. They, they excuse those people. It's the people that blatantly lie to people that are excused. The people who kind of stand out and choose to like expose what's going on. Those are the people that are looked at as crazy. Those are the people that are looked at as just terrible people. But as long as the others comfortably lie to you you have some power or you feel that you have some level of importance and it's really fucked up. Because realistically, in a nutshell, that's our society today. When people talk about Donald Trump and they mention Donald Trump as a so-called dictator it almost makes you want to th- it almost makes you say to yourself, "Well, where is this information coming from?" You know, like where's the source of this information outside of mainstream media? Like what source outside of that that informs them about the propaganda or do they just come up with their own propaganda? I think now they're just freelanced um, propagandists. I think that's what they are. They're this freelanced uh, 
propagandists that just kind of go along with the flow. Oh, we'll make this a racial issue. We'll make this situation about the blacks and the whites. Um, We'll make this situation about Democrats and Republicans just to get the people's reaction. If for anything else, the reaction. They want to see if they can still get a lot of these people's emotional responses. And for those who fall for that trap, I mean, you know, it's an endless rabbit hole where you do as you're told. Even though the things that you are told can easily be considered incorrect, you'll still do it because you're only trying to appease your master. You're only trying to make it through the next day, through the next shift, through the next week, through the next month, bleeding off into the next year. Pretty dark, pretty fucked up, but it is what it is. But as I always say to conclude this major episode, it's 140. I'm at my job now. So in the meantime and in between time and until next time, Jersey Judah with another episode, another edition of the Crimson Capsule Chapel. I am going to get started. I'm going to try to get started. On this final level of this video game iceberg, overrated but still enjoyable games is what we'll be talking about later on tonight. Although the episode that I'm doing tonight may be shared tomorrow morning. Jersey Judah with another episode, another edition. The Crimson Capsule Chapel signing out. Peace.